It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Yeah. 
Dreams Talk Radio, After Dark, wants to give a big shout-out to all the truckers that listen to our show. Night Dreams Talk Radio Network brings you the world paranormal news with James Creechbaum. Now, the latest news. I'm James Creechbaum with the Paranormal and World Changes News. The Arctic's most stable sea ice is vanishing at an alarmingly fast. After climate change melts the Arctic Ocean's year-round ice cover, only the region's oldest, thickest ice will remain. Or will it? A new study offers a dire warning that even this ice is at risk. Known as the last ice era... This icy zone extends more than 1,200 miles from Greenland's northern coast to the western part of the Canadian Arctic archipelago. The enduring ice here is at least five years old, older than the neighboring regions, and measures about 13 feet thick. However, this older, more robust sea ice is not as stable as once thought, and it's vanishing much faster than expected. In fact, at least Ice era is disappearing about twice as rapidly as the Arctic's younger, thinner sea ice, researchers reported in a new study. Much of the ice in the western Arctic is first-year ice, ice that is no more than one year old, said a lead study uh, physicist. Also, the thin ice in in the uh, central Arctic is about two and three years old. And then the really old ice is in the last ice era, more the uh, physicists told the uh, science community. Sea ice over the Arctic grows and shrinks with the, the seasons, 
But recent years have seen less and less widespread ice. During both winter and summer months, in 2019, Arctic sea ice reached its maximum on March 13, spanning around 6 million square miles. That extent is actually lower than most of the 40 previous years. Arctic sea ice over the 2019 reached its lowest on September 18th at 1.6 million square miles. This coverage tied to 2007 and 2016 as the second lowest since the 1970s. This prognosis for Arctic ice is warming world is it's grim climate models predict that most of the uh, ice outside of the last ice era could vanish for good within the next few decades leaving the last ice era as the sole refuge for marine life that depends on ice such as seals polar bears and algae and other uh, mammals by the year 2060 the arctic will be what people define as being ice free which is an era of perennial ice less than 1 million square kilometers. And much of that ice will be in the last ice era. Scary stuff. Now, scientists have detected water vapor on the Europa. <clears throat> water vapor from one of uh, Jovian's moons, elusive plumes, has been directly detected for the first time. In recent years, observations of Europa using the Hubble Space Telescope have revealed hints of what appear to be plumes of water vapor erupting from its surface. Now a team led by NASA planetary scientist Lucas Paganini have for the first time detected the telltale signs of this elusive vapor using the W.M. Keck Observatory in Hawaii. The findings indicated that there was quite a lot of it as well, enough to fill an Olympic swimming pool. Pellegrini and his team believe that this vapor could be coming from either a large subterranean ocean or a reservoir of melted ice trapped inside Europa's icy exterior shell. Essential chemical elements, carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, phosphorus, and sulfur, and sources of energy to of three requirements for life are found all over the solar system, he said. But the third, liquid water, is somewhat hard to find beyond Earth. While scientists have not yet detected liquid water directly, we found the next best thing, water in vapor form. It is the first time water has ever been directly detected above the surface of Jupiter's icy moon, and the discovery adds to the growing body of evidence to suggest that Europa is home to a vast ocean. Future robotic, robotic missions, including NASA's own upcoming Europa Clipper, should help to unravel the secrets of this enigmatic world and tell us more about what might be beneath its surface. Also, UFO researcher explains why she sold exotic metal to Tom DeLong. The U.S. Army will now look for demonstrable physical phenomena in a piece of metal the ufologist says come from an alien spacecraft. The UFO researcher who told who sold bits of exotic metal to former Blink-182 singer turned UFO mogul Tom DeLong for $35,000 explained to Motherboard why she parted with the artifact and what it will happen to it now. In 2017, the New York Times ran an article about the secret Pentagon UFO program known as the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. The article noted that aerospace billionaire Robert Bigelow, who's interested in UFOs, is no secret. Modified buildings to house metal, alloys, and other materials. 
that allegedly had been recovered from unidentified aerial phenomena. Earlier this year, DeLong's UFO outfit paid $35,000 for the exotic metamaterials, according to the September SEC findings. The TTSA bought the metals from Linda Moulton Howe, a UFO researcher, in order to conduct rigorous scientific evolutions to determine its functions and possible applications. The company said in a press release in July and in October, the company is in a partnership with the U.S. Army to research the metal and also study some pretty wild science, such as active camouflage, intertail mass reduction, and quantum communication. In the interview, Moulton Howe said that she and Art Bell, the late host of, of uh, a radio program, acquired the medal in 1996 along with a handful of letters from a alleged sergeant in the United States Army who still remains anonymous. Moulton Howe has made some pretty wild claims about the medal. She says that the sergeant's grandfather yanked the medal off a wedge-shaped craft that crashed in 1947 near White Sands Proving Grounds in New Mexico. She has also publicly claimed that the crash recovery team discovered two dead aliens and one that was still alive. Moulton Howe and DeLong both believe that by blasting the metals with magnetic field, with a magnetic field, it will float. They had a piece, and they explored whether magnetic fields would cause it to turn into a lifting body. Different frequencies, Moulton Howe said. These are the same materials mentioned by DeLong, where he stated, if you hit it with enough terahertz, it'll float. In any case, the metal is of interest to not only DeLong and Moulton Howe, but also the U.S. Army, which told Motherboard that it would be studying metals like this by blasting it with magnetic fields and looking for demonstrable physical phenomena. Next news break, top of the hour. Coming to you from some far point station, like a cosmic tumbleweed, both north and south of the Pleiades, here's your host, Gary Anderson. And that is me. Right now, we're trying to get uh, Tobias Whalen on the line so we can talk about cryptics and monsters with a report. And hopefully, we got Tobias. Uh, Tobias, my friend, how you doing tonight? Hey, great. How are you, Gary? Oh, I don't know. I went to get on the air tonight and both Skypes, somehow the passwords and all the information was gone. And I that and I managed to get it up three minutes before airtime. I tell you what, that makes a lot of sweat. Wow. <laughs> that's Yeah, three, no, that's that's crazy. And that's three different Skype accounts on three different computers all lost the passwords. Just spontaneously huh oh yeah within a couple hours i was on it earlier today everything was fine went to go on air had it up and all of a sudden it wanted passwords and it wouldn't accept my passwords so i had to go and change the passwords so maybe somebody tried hacking into it yeah honestly you never know i mean stuff like that definitely happens and Especially when you're in our business, uh, you can usually expect the the unexpected. And if anything weird can go wrong, it it definitely will. Oh, and it does. Well, anyway, you got 20 minutes here. So I'm going to just turn my mic off and I'm going to let you go with the cryptic reports and everything you want to talk about. And don't forget to plug your book, too. (laughs) All right, definitely. So 
Uh, you know, it's it's been a pretty interesting time uh, lately for cryptid uh, reports. Um, you know, we've had a, a handful of uh, real interesting um, Bigfoot news that has come through the, the, the wire lately. The first story was from uh, mid-October, actually. And this was a guy... Uh, name of Joe Scarborough out in uh, North Carolina. So he was working out in Cleveland County in uh, North Carolina, and uh, he was on his uh, his job site, and he noticed a strange footprint. Uh, you know, and his first reaction to that was... If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. To sort of look at it and be like, oh, wow, you know, like somebody's got big feet, you know, that's an unusual print. And then he, uh, you know, he took a closer look at it and, and realized that, you know, that wasn't just a, a, a big footprint. Like it was, it was huge, you know, it was a good 14 inches. And so he, uh, he goes back into his truck and gets his tape measure, goes back out there and then looks at it and measures it and everything realizes it was fresh. And he takes a, a couple of pictures luckily. And, um, you know, he uh, he was nice enough to share those with uh, the the media, and you know, I I took a look at them, and um, I mean, they're 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 definitely interesting. You know, the the leading uh, skeptical hypothesis so far is that they're they're just multiple black bear prints overlaid on on top of each other, but you know, the the size of the prints, their their shape, and sort of the lack of claw marks and stuff all all make that ex nation pretty unlikely to me personally um and to i think a lot of other people in in this field too and um you know so you know it's it's possible because they look humanoid i i i would say you know like they have that that hominid shape um at, at least roughly like we're talking about imprints in in mud and, and grass um and so, you know, I, I guess it's possible that somebody with, with really big feet just happened to, to, to be bare, uh, barefoot walking around outside. I mean, it is, you know, North Carolina, so um, I guess it's, that's a possibility. But at the same time, it's, uh, it's intriguing, I would say. And so that was the, the first story I wanted to cover here. But then... Moving into Ohio, uh, this would have been at the end of October. Uh, a man in Bainbridge Township, Ohio, actually had the uh, police called on him after he reportedly fired t 
two warning shots uh, to, to, well, because he said he was trying to frighten off a, a Bigfoot that he thought was attempting to break into his house. And so after hearing, hearing gunshots at about uh, 4.30 a.m. on October 22nd, one of his neighbors called the, the police. Officers arrived and questioned this guy who admitted to firing warning shots at what he described as a seven-foot-tall Bigfoot creature who he said had tried to open his front door and get at his dogs. And he said that this creature visits his home every night at about 8 p.m. And, uh, you know, I know what everybody's thinking, but, you know, the, the police officers checked, and this guy was not intoxicated. So... Um, whatever he was shooting at, uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, it's entirely possible that at, at the very least he believed that he was, uh, uh, shooting at something like a, 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 a Sasquatch. Um, and so it's, it's difficult to know what to make of that, honestly. And we've had a spate of, uh, uh, Bigfoot-related firearm incidents over the past year or so, honestly. So uh, December 17th of 2018, I don't know if everybody remembers this one, but a uh, uh, a couple, oh, I'm sorry, This uh, actually this was uh, a guy out target shooting on public land near Helena, Washington, was shot at by another guy who said that he mistook him for Bigfoot. And then after that, uh, this was just this year, actually, this past summer uh, in uh, July, a couple was out camping uh, in Kentucky's Mammoth Cave National Park when they were uh, approached by a guy with his, his younger son who basically told them to, uh, you know, watch out. This is Bigfoot country and to run if they hear gunshots. And then sure enough, uh, they, they wake up later to, to some commotion and, and this guy's just, uh, sort of firing wildly in, in the forest. So they take off and, and call nine one one. But, um, it's interesting to me. I, I don't know that they're, is necessarily cause for concern at this point. Um, I mean, nobody's been injured, and, and this is, you know, a, a country with however many hundreds of, of millions of firearms in it. Um, and, you know, I've only got three news stories involving Bigfoot and, and firearms, um, you know, within the, the, the past year. But it's definitely becoming something of a, a trend I, I, I think um, for people um, sort of interested in, in, in Bigfoot or or um, for these incidents to, to, to just have these related uh, 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 firearms also. So I think that's definitely something to, to, to watch out for for anybody who is themselves interested in cryptozoology. Um, you know, be safe. If you see somebody else out there and they they have a, a, a firearm, 
which is totally fine. You know, honestly, I'm not going to lie to people. I myself carry a firearm when I'm on most investigations. Uh, personally, I don't do it because, uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to shoot a, a Sasquatch or something. But, you know, when you are just out in isolated areas at, you know, midnight, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., um, but there's a, a human element of, of, of danger. But before I, you know, digress too much, yeah, specifically, if, uh, if you happen to be out, uh, you know, pursuing Bigfoot or, or, or something else, uh, you know, I, I think it's a really good idea to be safe because I, I don't know that the issue is firearms. Uh, I, I, I don't think it is. I, I don't believe that, that guns kill people on their own because they're inanimate objects. But I do think that you have to watch out for people who might be a little unstable or might be a little too gung-ho um, who are, you know, sort of living their own action movie and, and respond to something like uh, Bigfoot, which, you know, um, admittedly is pretty exciting, by shooting at it. So anyway, those, uh, I think are, are interesting news stories that, uh, that people should definitely consider. And then, um, last but not least here, this was the beginning of October out of Northern Ontario. There was a hunter named uh, Gino Mikas and he was out hunting with his wife and, and grandson. And, um, they were they were out hunting grouse, and they uh, were on their way back to their vehicle when they heard this noise. And it started off as a, a, a sort of howl, but then it became this sort of like mournful wailing sort of howl, and it um, it repeated you know several times, and uh, and you know luckily. Uh, Gino was able to to get his phone out and he recorded this sound and uh, and you can see this online. Actually, all of these stories, uh, if you want to check them out more, you can always go to the Singular Fortean Society. So if you go to our news section, which is Singular Fortean, uh, you know SingularFortean.com/news, you'll you'll see all of these on here. You can set, you know search by Bigfoot and everything, and and they'll all come up. But anyway, so he records this mournful wailing. And it's completely unidentified. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's made its rounds through uh, mainstream Canadian news sources. Um, you know, they even, uh, they even contacted the Ontario Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry, and, and they weren't able to identify it either. Uh, their official stance is that um, their, biology, uh, their biologists say that it could be a, a larger mammal. Uh, you know, uh, their example was a wolf, but because of the considerable distance, uh, they, they don't have any way to, to be certain. So even they don't really know exactly what it is. Um, having listened to it, uh, you know, people, I, I think, are pretty popularly speculating on it, you know, being some type of... Uh, of, you know, large canid, like a, a, a wolf. Um, I guess anything's possible. You know, I've been out in the woods enough to, to know that, you know, you can really hear a lot of strange stuff out there. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, sometimes it's really weird and, and sometimes you can't 
identify it and sometimes later uh you know you hear something weird but then you're able to to uh identify it and it has a, a perfectly mundane explanation but um you know uh, there's just something about this howl that i think doesn't lend itself well to easy explanation um and it's it's unexplained and so naturally uh people have related that to bigfoot uh and use bigfoot as an explanation for for this howl which you know i gotta tell you um you know anybody who hasn't heard it you should you should go check it out um and it certainly fits in line with uh, some of the uh, associated noises that I have heard reported, definitely, um, or even heard myself to, to some degree. I remember sort of in early 2019, I believe it was February, we were out in the, the Kettle Moraine State Forest with uh, Jay Bachochin, and we heard these coyotes howling, which is normal. There's a lot of coyotes out there. Um, but then we heard a response and it was a lot lower and it was, it, there was something off about it. And I, I couldn't record it because I didn't have a good recording device for, for audio. You know, we had our normal camera gear, but the microphone isn't going to pick up, you know, something howling like a, a mile away. Um, but uh, yeah, there was just something about this howl where it was low but there was just something else off about it. So I thought, okay, maybe it could be a, a, a wolf. Like they range down here sometimes. It's not common, but it could happen. But there's just something else just a, a, a little off about it. And, and you hear that a lot when it comes to areas uh, associated with, with Bigfoot activity. Um, and, you know, there are different theories to that, uh, you know, one of which being that, the, the uh, Bigfoot itself is um, either mimicking or, you know, trying to mimic in, in, in animal noise or, or uh, creating that, 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 that noise on its own. And, uh, and, you know, I, I honestly don't know. It's, uh, it's an, an, an interesting theory, certainly. Um, but, uh, but there's, there's, there's just no way to know for sure. But, again, it is heavily associated with those areas. Uh, in, interestingly enough, uh, also in Canada, on uh, northern Vancouver Island in 2015, a similar strange howling noise was heard. And that was also captured uh you know, on, on audio. So you can go online and, and check all of that out too. And it is eerily similar. So it's hard to know what to make of that, but it's very difficult for me to believe that some mundane, you know, large mammal was responsible, especially considering the fact that uh, in the case of uh, the Vancouver Island incident, uh, there are no large mammals living on the island in question. It doesn't have any wolves or, or, or coyotes or anything else living on it. Um, so that really just sort of uh, begs the, the, the question then, um, what could have made that noise and why is the noise 
that was recorded then in 2019 in Northern Ontario so similar? Was it made by the the you know same thing? Uh, and was that something uh, as as bizarre as Bigfoot? I honestly don't know, but boy, it is a lot of fun to think about. So let's see. Uh, what time is it? Eight twenty-eight. Do I still have time? You got two minutes. Two minutes. All right. Well, uh, just so um, everybody is aware, I guess I should mention this. So the Lake Michigan Mothman High Strangeness in the Midwest is uh, actually here early. So you can go on Amazon if you are interested in that. And, and pick that up. And that basically uh, tells you everything you'd want to know about our investigation into Mothman sightings uh, around Lake Michigan, um, you know, from 2017 on. But a lot of this- If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Sightings are actually historical sightings that go all the way back to 1969. So if you're interested in flying humanoids and a lot of the stuff that, you know, Gary and I have spoken about on the show before, uh, I encourage you to go check it out and uh, hopefully you like it. And uh, if you do end up purchasing it, I hope you will leave uh, a review on on Amazon. That would be great. Uh, Otherwise, you can keep up with uh, myself and Emily on the Singular Fortean Society website, which is singularfortean.com. And, uh, you know, check us out all over social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, you name it. We are everywhere. And if you're interested enough in what we do to want to participate, then I encourage you to go to patreon.com slash singularfortean, and uh, you can join the Singular Fortean Society. And, uh, you know, we do all kinds of fun stuff, including live streams and uh, exclusive investigation videos and, and, and all that cool stuff. So, um, well, well, great. Tobias, yeah, I, we'll catch you, yeah. I guess, next week. And everybody check out his book. Uh, in fact, I'm going to order. I'll, I'll get a hold of you the next day or two and I'll order one from you for myself. Hey, everybody, sure. you know, make sure you, again, check out his website uh, or on Facebook. 
join his group and uh, get that book. Until next week, Tobias, you have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, Gary. You too. Okay. You too. Listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio After Dark with our host, Gary Anderson. And that is me. I can't believe we're already now on Friday. This week it's just zoomed by. It's been cracking like you wouldn't believe. Hey, James. Well, I hope you had a great day today, my friend. Well, I'm still living, so that's a good day, right? <laughs> so to speak. Well, that's better than I had, but I don't want to even touch my day. You know what? The reports of cryptics, it seems like it's really getting more and more. Uh, even in Washington State, where the guy went out to shoot a Bigfoot, or, you know, shot at one. Yeah, and even um, in my state, um, about 70 miles north of here, that guy thought one was breaking in his house. Uh, a few days or a week or so ago, I think I touched on it yesterday a little bit in, a, in one of the news stories. But and then, um, yeah, you're right. It was like a month or so ago, or maybe two months. There was one in Vermont that was supposedly breaking into, uh, I think, a guy's car. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> why would a Bigfoot want to break into a car? I know it. The only thing I can figure is. Maybe the same reason bears. Maybe there was food in there or something. But otherwise, yeah, yeah, it's a good question. Why? Why are they wasting their time with a car? Well, you know, I what I can say is that there's reports of them. But you know what? I hate to say it. Too bad. I wonder if they checked if the Bigfoot was breaking in the car. Did anybody get smart enough to have uh, take a Q-tip and a plastic bag? And just kind of, you know, and do some swabbing to try to get some DNA. Uh, yeah, I know. That's exactly what I would do. I I did see on a documentary where they was actually out looking for him, and they came back to the truck, and it looked like uh, a smudge print on the window where there was a hand, and it looks like it, it pressed its face against the windshield. They did take some stuff, but they didn't find anything. It was come back contaminated. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I, I would have called law enforcement and said, hey, look. Well, evidently, law enforcement would have had to come out because it made the news because he shot at something. So, I mean, I'm surprised that they didn't kind of at least swab, you know, check for DNA. But, yeah, absolutely. I know I sure would. And that's the thing. You know, it's hard to think about that. But, boy, if you can get on that and then try to preserve it some way where it doesn't get contaminated, cover it up and try not to contaminate it with anything because a lot of that stuff you know you have uh human skin it it just naturally flakes all the time it doesn't take much to get uh contamination you know at all so got to be careful and that would be something i would definitely try to do yeah i would put it in a plastic bag I, by the way you're listening to night dreams talk radio after dark i'm gary and you know we rule the early night we come on at six o'clock before the other shows do, and we're on now to 10 o'clock p.m. Pacific West Coast time, 9 to 1 a.m. Eastern time. So, you know what? We expanded the hours. Make sure you check out our website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. Check out the store. Check out the pictures. Tomorrow, the website gets updated for the week, so you'll see who our guest is for next week. Tonight, by the way, coming up on the, well, about three minutes after the top of the hour, We got Calvin Parker back on and back on by demand because all the requests from you guys wanting to hear his story. After his show is over at 833, we got Irina Scott and she's going to be talking about UFOs and and all kinds of interesting things. So it's going to be a good Friday here on Night Dreams Talk Radio. Yes, it is. I'm looking forward to it and going to be some good stuff tonight. Hey, Gary, um, did you know this is from Florida? Okay, <laughs> from Florida. Happened. Okay, go ahead. This just happened to come by me as as we're sitting here talking. Um, a dog puts a car in reverse and drives in circles for an hour in a cul-de-sac in Florida. And it says, and one of the witnesses then I saw the dog get out of the car, a big black lab or something, and... and um, I obviously, and they took, somebody took video of it too. There's a video, but I guess it was an hour. This dog was doing donuts in reverse, put the car in reverse and just was having a good old time. <laughs> and maybe, maybe the owners of the dog told them about the rats. <laughs> you know, maybe the, the little rats that get into their little teeny cars and then drive around a track. And they, they don't even have to now be rewarded. They just want to drive. And when they smack into each other, they show, you know, like road rage, like us humans. You know, gee, I, if rats can do it, a dog certainly could do it. Uh, yeah, I think they're a little smarter, so I could see that happening very easily. I know about 15 years ago here where I live, a guy, he got he was getting gas and he had his dog in his truck. While he's in paying for gas, truck was running. Uh. Dog put in yeah, dog put it in gear and, and uh, crashed into the drive-through next uh, liquor drive-through next door. <laughs> it was well. It was probably was a, probably what the dog did. It was just jump up on the steering wheel, put his paws, and it shifted it into gear. That guy probably got one heck of a ticket, and well, I bet his insurance company loved him. Oh uh, yeah, could you? I can just see that phone call. It's right up. Well, it's one notch behind maybe one you would have made, but. It would have been, it would have been, yeah, the, my dog took the, they stole my car and wrecked it into the drive-thru. <laughs> that would have been, went over real well, I'm sure. Well, that's probably the case. I'm willing to bet you that that car in the, it, it was going in a donut in a circle, right, with that dog. 
Mm-hmm. Somebody probably left the car in gear again, and the, the dog somehow either bumped against the shifter or whatever, and it went for the ride. To it, he either ran out of gas, stalled, or got sick, and then got out. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's probably what happened. Because for it to be, I guess it was for an hour. It went, you know, in this cul-de-sac doing reverse donuts. But that's probably why I probably just ran out of gas, like you said, or. Yeah, that's probably what had to be, pretty much. I, I find that kind of strange, though, too, because have you ever done that? Go around in a circle, and you after you make a couple circles, the circle starts getting bigger, and yeah. then slowly bigger and bigger. So I can't see, you know, whoever reported that. You know, oh, it's been going on for an hour. People aren't thinking. I don't believe it could go on for an hour, because unless it was a huge cul-de-sac, because that, that, that's would have started out at a certain point and it would have expanded out in an hour's time. I think it would have been running over people's mailboxes. Yeah, unless it was a really one of them real small cars where the wheelbase were about even. They were a long, long distance between the front and the, the rear tires. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, you're right. It would eventually, you're going to come out of the perfect circle. You, you know, each turn you make, you're right. You're going to come out a little bit. Oh, yeah, because even if you're going backwards, it's going to affect your steering. So you, you're going to start expanding and expanding. I know that because I one time got frustrated with my daughter when we were out driving a couple of years ago. <laughs> and we were in an empty parking lot. And I was having her make circles, just you know, and then backing up and stuff like this. And she couldn't make the circle even right. And I, I, I said, okay, here's what happens. You just t- turn the wheel over to the right or the left and go. And, you know, and then I finally took my hands off the wheel and I said, see, it makes this turns by itself. But it, it slowly, you know, expanded out. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And and like I say, the longer distance the wheelbase, the, the um, more significant the gradual coming out of that will be. Oh, yeah. Now, talking about Whitney last night, mm-hmm. you know, I, I tell you, I, I managed to read a few more pages today. And I, I got a funny feeling he's kind of hit it on that, you know, when these aliens implant people, you know, uh, abduct them and put an implant into them, that they, persons that have the implant probably don't realize that maybe these aliens are trying to communicate. Uh, you know, Whitney, uh, many years went by. He didn't know they were trying to communicate with him. He got visited, he got touched, he got poked, uh, poked, I should say, and, you know, sperm removed and everything else through the years. But it was only in the last couple of years he realized that they were trying to communicate with him in different ways. In ways that unless your mind is open, you never realize that they're trying to communicate. Maybe they're so far advanced uh, technology-wise and and intelligent wise that we we just don't understand what they're you're trying to do so i got a funny feeling that's one thing i'm going to ask calvin tonight you know if he one has he ever checked to see if he was implanted two is if uh, he the same type of symptoms that um, whitney was talking about because you know whitney's actually getting to understand uh, what these communications are coming from and why yeah, I'm still, personally, I'm still under the, my own opinion now. I, I I don't think it's, I think it's communication, but not in the way that you're kind of thinking. I'm thinking it's more in the way that maybe they can, 
monitor what you're doing or saying. It can maybe put thoughts or control you or maybe what you do or say. Because I, I would be under the guise that, you know, if there's some advanced that come here that they, they could probably talk to us telepathically if they really wanted to communicate with us. I, I mean, I would, and I would think if you'd be able to travel with that far advanced as they are, they wouldn't take much for them to master our language if they really had to write something. <laughs> I, I mean, that's just my opinion, but what do I know? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe again, you look at this. Do you think an ant or a mosquito understands what we're saying? Or could he even comprehend? Could could a moose understand? Could a cow understand? Could a bull understand? I think not. And our te- intelligent level could be so small compared to theirs that they just don't know how to communicate to us. Well, that's true. The only difference is um, an ant wouldn't even know how to come up with that surmise of, you know, we're an ant, we can't communicate because we're an ant where we can put that together because we can think and, and put these things together. Now, I'm, don't get me wrong, we're, we're way below, we're a zero civilization on a scale one. There's like three different scales, I think. Um, I forget who put that together, but yeah, we're definitely on a zero. You know, like one is being able to traverse different solar systems, and uh, then number two is being able to master a lot of the universe, and then three is being able to master pretty much all the universe, and we're clear at the bottom. We're at zero still, so yeah, that, yeah, I, I, but I don't know. I just, I just, it's hard for me to believe that. Yeah, I think they're trying to communicate, but I, I just, because I've, I've heard brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over forty, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but MIDI Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. A lot of reports and a lot of research I've done where they've talked telepathically, or, but I don't. But then again, you know, another factor that goes into these there's not just one species or race or whatever you want to call these humanoids. There's humanoids or human or humanoids. There's all kinds of different ones. And, you know, I, I I've got reports of uh, Nordics, uh, Greys, uh, uh, prey mantis types, um, reptoid types, and those are just some of the more popular ones. Now, personally, I believe that the the Greys are more like a biological robot that's just kind of made like a droid or something. But I don't know. That's just what I've been finding. 
Uh, I don't know. Well, I, I am going to probably in about a week send you the book because I'll be done with it by then. And after you read it, it mm-hmm. starts making some sense. I mean, it really opened my eyes up from what I read. Yeah, and having a talk with Whitney off the side uh, that it really this it, it, it makes a lot log- logical sense to me. And I, I really uh, am uh, enchanted with Whitney. Because he's gone through so much. Oh, he has. And if it wasn't for Whitney, it it was face it. These people wouldn't be coming out of the woodwork talking about they've been abducted or they had implants. He was one of the very first persons to come out on radio and say, I was abducted. I have an implant. You're absolutely right. Because I'm going to tell you, like I said, I've been researching and studying this stuff, investigating it for a long time. And. And when his book come out, and I read it cover front to back, like I didn't even put it down. It was just so mind blowing. Three hundred pages. That was the first book he came out with in communion. I got in, I don't know, nineteen eighty eight when it came out, and and it really stood the hair on my back because I was living in Upper State New York at the time. So I was like, whoa, you know, this really this stuff was going on not really that far from me. So it really made me think, and yeah, it really op- that book opened my eyes. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to reading the second this book, the new book. Oh yeah, uh, he has a lot of books in between. But I, I tell you again too, you know, talking just a little bit last night about the Global Superstorm book that uh, Art Bell and Whitney wrote. I, I tell you, they were off by about twenty years, but that it is now. If you, I don't know if you've ever read that book. But that's one book I recommend uh, people. You can probably find them on eBay. But if you want to know about climate changes, what could happen, you know, that book is going to put a shock on you. And it's happening now. It's like 20 years off. But you know what? How do you judge time? You can't. They just saw the future. And the future is in that book. And it kind of reminds me of that movie. It was made from that book. Day after tomorrow. Yes, I mean certainly, and and it, and it can happen so freaking fast. It can happen in a matter of a day, and and we could be in a lot of trouble. And you know what? Like you mentioned, a lot of things are disappearing in North Pole, uh, Antarctica, and it's going to affect us. Well, um, if you've noticed, every day this week. Out of the roughly nine to twelve different stories that I give daily, nightly, one of them is always something about um, something's always coming up new about the Arctic or ice melting or, or viruses coming up or something from that from the Arctic ice melting or you know uh, as a result of it anyway. So there's always something popping up every day. Yeah, and it's getting more and more. That's the scary part. I tried to, you know, find more about that staircase and pillars. I couldn't find anything more than what you sent me. So I mm-hmm. don't know. I don't know if that was somebody maybe manipulating an image around and got it uploaded. I have no idea. But if that is a real picture of a staircase and pillars, uh, then we got a problem. Because that even then, the, the, the picture shows it as almost... All the ice melted off of it because you saw each step. Yeah, I yeah you're right. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I haven't had a chance today to, to do any follow up with it, but I'm definitely gonna try to see what I can find by Monday anyway. Hopefully something new will turn up. But yeah, that's you could see the details in it. So yeah, yeah, that's the scary part, and that is really 
really, if that turns out to be a staircase, I don't know what else it could be other than a freak of nature because, but it shows stairs. And I don't think that was faked out unless, again, somebody managed to hack into something and load an image. But again, if that is true, then we got a serious problem on our hand because it tells me that uh, everything I learned, like I said before, in school, you throw it out the window because it's not, oh, yeah. it's not accurate at all. How did men uh, evolve? Throw that out the window. Because, you know, I, I, and, and I hate to say it, but, but the Bible says it's going to throw that out the window, too. Well, that that staircase picture, what it kind of reminds me of, the first thing I thought of was the kind of like the step pyramids in Central America. Uh, you know how they get the steep steps coming up. It kind of reminded me of that of what that would picture that would look like under the snow and ice as it's melting. That's what it kind of reminded me of, not saying that's what it is. But, you know, with there's been reports of um, pyramids in the Arctic for last year. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But but besides that, that's what that kind of reminded me of uh, when I seen the picture. But I don't know. I guess time will tell. Well, we'll find out. That's the interesting part. And it won't be maybe much, uh, um, you know, more before we uh, find out. Yeah, and hopefully we don't find out like an all real quick where we see the whole pyramid one day where it wasn't there. That means a lot of ice melt. Oh, yeah. So yeah, Calvin yeah. Calvin Parker is just waiting by his phone to come on. I just had to send a message. We're looking at 15 minutes. So, yeah, it's going to be a good show tonight. I, I want to find out more about his abduction. I want to dig into it. I need your help tonight a little bit. Yeah, because I, I, I've got some questions for sure because, you know, it's it's funny when he was on my show when I had a little show on, on the network there when, uh, and uh, asked him, you know, if he ever been abducted before, and he said, yeah, and that's what, I think that's what his second book kind of touches on. That's I think that was about, I think that was before the second book even came out. So that was, so I'm kind of thinking, you know, and there's been patterns, I just know in all my research, there, there's usually not a one of when they abduct you. There's been usually... Several, you know, I, I, down throughout your lifetime. So I'm wondering if there's more that he hasn't remembered, or maybe there's some that he's still learning about through regression. You know, and there's a lot more there we haven't heard about either. Well, the more you talk about it, okay, and think about it, more chances are you're going to start remembering a little bit more each time. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I, I definitely think he's remembered a lot more through the regression because, well, he didn't even think the first time that they was able to hypnotize him. And that, that information sat for years. And, and here they did. You know, he had all uh, transcript of uh, stuff he had remembered. He didn't even think he was hypnotized. So, you know, that, that tells you right there that there's probably more stuff that he can remember or will remember or has remembered. So looking forward to hearing what he's got to say about that. Well, you know, down at the compound here this weekend, I tell you, my wife and my one of my sons are going to spend, well, she's taking a week off so because of Thanksgiving. But they're going to spend some time, well, we have a, uh, what you call a deck. It runs three quarters around our house, and we got a huge house. And the decking, we don't use the decking on one side of the house. And, you know, when I bought this house 20-some years ago, I had an appraiser come out and check everything and make sure everything was, you know, not appraiser, but what do you call these? Uh, home inspector. 
And he came out and he inspected it and he said, oh, yes, your staircase and decking is just fantastic. It's all cedar. Because cedar doesn't rot. It takes a long time to rot. Well, mm-hmm. like a year later, we started noticing it was rotted. So I had another home inspector come out and said, oh, no, that's just pine. And I'm, oh. and then I started checking in our state in Washington. They don't require you to do anything more than pay for the license to be a home inspector. Hint, hint. If you're getting your home inspected and you're looking for any defects in your house, okay, make sure you have somebody who's actually qualified because you're sitting there getting a loan to buy your house and you're going through and trying to find any problem when you're buying the house. If your home inspector doesn't do his job, you could be stuck with a lot of bills. And we had to rebuild at least half of our decking. A lot of work. We made the decision here a couple of weeks ago, we're just going to remove part of the decking because we don't use it. I mean, three-fourths away around the house was crazy in the first place. So, you know, because of my uh, physical handicap, temporary one I have right now, I can't help them. But my wife and my one son are going to get out there with a couple saws and hammers and they're going to remove some of this decking before it falls off the house, which is starting to do. So that's what we're going to be doing on, uh, you know, Thanksgiving. Oh, sounds like a family project to me. Going to be out there putting them to work. Yeah, they're going to. Yeah. Well, I'll hear about that almost as much as that mannequin deal with my wife, because I'm sure the first day she's going to be doing it, she's going to be so freaking sore because, I mean, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. You better believe, it, especially if you're not used to doing that kind of stuff. You'll be using muscles you haven't used for a while, and that's where the pain comes in. Oh, yeah. You know, since I've been working out, too, I notice, you know, James, if I miss a day, I work out every day, not every mm-hmm. other day. I work out my arm muscles, my, you know, back muscles, my shoulder muscles every day. If I forget one day, I'll tell you what, about noon, one o'clock in the afternoon, all of a sudden I start hurting. That's where your muscles are, are re, um, rebuilding up what you broke down from working out. Yeah, well, they're telling me if you don't exercise, it's going to start going back. And it doesn't take long because, you know, back in the 80s, I was a, a trainer at a, a, a gym here, uh, not too far from where I live. And I used to train people. I used to be really heavy in bodybuilding. And then one day after years of doing it, I just said to myself, I don't want to do this anymore. And you know what? Within two months, every bit of muscle I built up was virtually gone. Yeah, it doesn't take long. I mean, I quit lifting weights for a while. It just, it starts to go right, it starts to go right back to, being flabby, believe me, I can tell. I can tell it on myself, and then I'm like, <laughs> I'm feeling lazy. But then I'm like, do I really want to start lifting again. But you got to, you got to do something to stay healthy, you know. So, and especially in you, you're trying to keep, you know, get better with your injuries and all. You got to do it. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, and then I'm going to be uh, for the next few days, uh, being off the air for two days. I gutted out the studio again. You know, I had a backup desk, and I started thinking, why do I need to have a backup guest? I got this huge uh, seven-foot server case. It's air-conditioned. I'm going to just put all the backup equipment into that, run some extra cabling, so and, you know, have an extra, you know, everything here. 
So I don't have to just switch from a desk to desk. I can just stay where I am and just flip a couple of switches and I'm good to go. So that's what I'm doing. Plus, I'm putting more sound insulation in here, uh, you know, studio insulation because of my son's dogs being in the house occasionally. And, uh, you know, I'm also putting in Freddy Cougar. And I'm also putting in a Jeeper Creepers mannequin, a big, huge one. Scary things. Oh, yeah. I, I seen something that looked like a Jeepers Creeper figure not too long ago last year. It was scary. Yeah, this one's like seven and a half foot. Mm. Yeah, this one was about seven foot, but it was <laughs> it was in spirit form, kind of, but shaped and face looked like him. It, evil. It was evil looking. Oh, yeah. And you know what, though? The problem is when I'm in here late. You know, doing mm-hmm. the show, you know, at 10 o'clock, you know, I start getting a little bit tired. And then I, you know, I don't have all the lights on here because, you know, I, I kind of like it dim lit when I'm doing the show. And then sometimes I'll be like a little bit tired. And all of a sudden, I swear this one creature with a sword like moves, <laughs> but that's just my imagination. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's going to happen? You're going to forget through there. Like I've been telling you, you're going to turn around and spook yourself. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> guess what? It's time time. to take a break. We'll be back, well, in about nine minutes. Uh, James is going to be doing Earth News, so stay tuned. And uh, again, check out our website, www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. And when we come back after the news, Calvin Parker, alien abductee. Lots of stuff to talk about tonight on Night Dreams Talk Radio with me, Gary. Your radio doorway and your psyche begins to spark when you tune in to Gary and the sun and night dreams after dark insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Network brings you the world paranormal news with James Creechbaum. Now, the latest news. This is James Creechbaum with some more paranormal and earth news. The locals discover a jade stone showing alien contact in a cave in Mexico. In a forest in Veracruz, a cave full of jade stones have been discovered. Aside from the precious stones, the cave also features some incredible carvings. The carvings are very complex, and they depict some kind of gray aliens with slim bodies, big heads, and large eyes. These, um, this amazing discovery was made public by journalist Javier Lopez Diaz, and it was posted on his account throughout Facebook and Twitter and all kinds of different things. It immediately became viral. Javier is convinced that these carvings depict real contact between an ancient civilization and extraterrestrials. These space entities help in the creation of the Aztec and the Mayan civilization. According to experts, the carvings on the jade stones is completely authentic. They also found different paintings depicting similar scenes of contact between aliens and humans. At the same time, there are representative representations of alien spaceships. Once researchers managed to decipher the jade stones, they got the amazing title of Stones of the First Encounter. Also in the news, Project Blue Book documents are to go on display. Actual files from the U.S. government's Project Blue Book are set to go on display in Washington, D.C. next month. 
The secretive project, which was carried out by the U.S. Air Force between 1952 and 1969, was an in-depth study of unidentified flying objects, the largest of its kind ever undertaken. It had two main goals, to determine if UFOs were a threat and to scientifically analyze the data. By the time the project had ended, it had a collection of an archived of some 12,618 UFO reports. While most of these were deemed to have conventional explanations, a small percentage of the sightings remain unexplained, even after being subjected to stringent analysis. Officially, it was concluded that none of the UFO sightings investigated by the Air Force posed a risk to the United States, and, and nor did they represent evidence of alien visitors or advanced technology. Despite this, however, some conspiracy theorists believe that the project did reveal signs that we were not alone, and that it's a real conclusion. Have and real conclusions have been kept hidden as part of a government cover-up. Whatever the case may be, you will soon have the chance to check out some of the Project Blue Book's documents in person when they go on the display at the National Archive Museum in Washington. The exhibit will be available to view at the East Rotunda Gallery from December 5th, 2019 to January 8th, 2020. Also in the news, an ancient tree contains records of Earth's magnetic field reversal in its rings. Construction workers have accidentally dug up a 40,000-year-old tree that will give scientists insight into what will happen when Earth's magnetic poles flip, which they, all, they are already starting to do. Every 200,000 to 300,000 years, Earth's magnetic north and south pole swap places, an event that opens the planet up to solar radiation and coincides with major extinction events. We're long overdue for such an adventure, with the last pole reversal occurring 780,000 years ago. Earlier this year, NASA warned that the magnetic North Pole is racing 30 miles per year toward Russia, signaling the beginning of a total pole reversal. The, the, the discovery of the tree that lived for 1,500 years during the exact same period of a near reversal of the poles 42,000 years ago will now give climatologists new insight into what exactly that will look like, what that will look like. The ancient tree was found buried under 26 feet of soil by construction workers who were expanding the geomethic thermal energy plant in New Zealand. The swamp curry tree was preserved as if it were in a swamp, even though it wasn't. It's one of the oldest trees ever found, 65 feet long and 8 feet wide. The radioactive carbon in the tree's rings provides a complete record of the near re reversal of the Earth's magnetic fields that happen within the tree's lifetime. Earth's magnetic field is thought to be generated by the iron of the planet's core. As it moves around, it produces electronic currents that extend far into space. The magnetic field acts as a barrier protecting Earth from the solar wind. When the magnetic field reverses or attempts to, it gets weaker, leading to more radiation from the sun getting through. There's nothing like this anywhere in the world, said one scientist. We will map these changes much more accurately using the tree rings. While it can take several thousand years for the poles to completely flip their journey 
to the other side can cause chaos in the meantime as the lines of magnetic field cross and get jumped. New Next news break, top of the hour. Night Dreams Talk Radio, After Dark, wants to give a big shout-out to all the truckers that listen to our show. And again, without you truckers, we would not be where we're at. Hey, Calvin Parker, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm sitting here enjoying this beautiful weather we have in here. What type of weather are you having? And you're going to rub it into me, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, it's... 74 degrees here right now i tell you what i got all the electric heaters on extra space heaters and i'm still chilly my studio which normally is extremely overheated i'm sitting here with a space heater about three feet from me so during the breaks i turn it on to warm up that's how cold it is here down at the compound down at the harbor hey i gotta say something to you terry lovelace said hi to you and that he enjoyed the conversations he had with you. Oh, we had some good conversations. Now, first time I met him was at a UFO Congress in Arizona, and we had a blast there. I wish everybody could have been at that one. Oh, yeah, and, and I'm sure you heard his story. I tell you, he's been on my show three times, at, and I tell you what, I, after he's been off each time, it was really hard to sleep because of what he went through. And again, he kind of has the feeling like you have that they're not here to, you know, serve man unless they're going to be on a plate. I don't believe they are. I mean, they could be, but they kind of like a bunch of politicians. They go throw everybody under the bus. They can. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now, because we got more listeners than the last time you were on. We're on more stations since the last time you were on. What happened? Let's start off at the beginning. You, you just started a new job. You're, uh, you're one of your acquaintances to talk to you in to go fishing. And let's start from there. And we're going to start from the beginning. And I got a whole bunch of new questions to ask you. And whatever you can also, you know, get into. Hey, why not? Let's, let's just lay it all out the best we can. There you go. My very first day on the job, this was course october 11th 1973 and i came to the gulf coast to work at a shipyard fb walker and son shipyard my very first day on the job uh the guy i was working for said let's go fishing i said well let's do it you know we love to fish down here so let's go I said, but I got a problem. I didn't bring my fishing equipment with me. He said, well, let's run by the house, and I got some I'll loan you. Now, for a man from the South to tell you that, that's pretty serious. He might give you one of his kids or his firstborn or something, but never his fishing equipment. (laughs) So we picked it up. We drove to a place on the Paspagula River, and it's the uh, Shaw Peters shipyard, and it was no abandoned shipyard. And it had been neglected. You know, it's been let kind of grow up and all. And there was a lot of trash and debris on it. And I remember asking him, look, why is all this trash and all out here? He said, well, when the water comes in, it brings in the trash. And when it leaves, it just leaves it. But the first thing that I noticed was a no trespassing sign. 
when we first walked in there, I said, look, Charlie, look, we can't trespass here. They, they got a no trespassing sign. We'll both go to jail. Oh, no, I fish here all the time. She said, okay. So we got our equipment, and we walked down to an old uh, uh, pier, an old raggedy pier they had sitting up there, and pulled us up a log, and was sitting on it. And I remember looking across the river, and there was a NOAA ship or a Coast Guard ship or something. And I was thinking to myself, how does something out of metal float? And about that time, I noticed some blue hazy lights coming from behind me and reflecting out across the water. And uh, that's the color of the uh, police department's lights here in Mississippi. And I was thinking to myself, well, we're fixed to go to jail for trespassing. But I turned around, and as I got turned around, Charlie had stood up, and he had turned around and was looking. And a real bright beam, I mean one of the brightest lights that I've ever seen uh, up until this time, was shining on us, just come out and covered us. Well, you know, it made it kind of hard to see. But by the time we got our vision, where we kind of opened our eyes, where we could see, they was three bulky-looking, looked like Green Bay Packers creatures coming out after us. And they didn't have a uh, neck or nothing. It looked like their head just sat down on their shoulders. And these things just more or less in a hurry. The, the, what they was in was about 100 yards from behind us. And they just cruised right on over to where we were real quick. Well, two of them got a hold of Charlie. One of them got a hold of myself. And that's where I felt an injection going in. Because I was thinking about doing a little bit of running about this time. But it was just really nowhere to run. I mean, it was water in the front, water on the left, water on the right, and debris in the water. And we didn't really have time to make an escape plan. So when this thing grabbed me by the arm... They injected us with something, uh, one of them shots that you don't really care, I don't guess, because I didn't care then. And they levitated us up off the ground, and they took me in toward the craft. And as we was going to the craft, I remember getting to the door, and I was looking inside to see where all these bright lights was coming from. But it wasn't any bright light fixtures. It wasn't any kind of light fixtures to be showing these lights. These lights was illuminating kind of out of the wall, out of the paint and all. And that's the first thing that I noticed going on the ship. Now, take it for granted, I couldn't move my body anyway, but I could turn my head and look, or I could roll my eyes, but I couldn't, more or less just paralyzed. So this thing made a left turn and took us down the hallway then he made a sharp right turn, and in this room, there was a beautiful glass table, and I couldn't help but notice it because it was so clean looking and pretty, and this thing took us over to this table, took me over. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. 
The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Now, I hadn't seen Charlie since I got to the ship took me over to this glass table and laid me down on my back with me looking straight up at the ceiling. And this big, ugly creature that picked me up, he just kind of backed out of the way, got in the corner, and just shut down. And that's one reason I'm thinking they might have been robotic, these uh, creatures were, because, you know, they was just on demand. And when they moved, they kind of moved mechanically. Well, I was laying on my back looking straight up at the ceiling and something about the size of a deck of cards looked like it just fell out from the ceiling and got about a foot and a half from my head and stopped. And this thing started revolving around my head. And as it revolved, you could hear it clicking. It'd go click, 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 click. It did that four times. Then it just shot back up into the ceiling. Well, uh... Like I say, this was about the size of a deck of cards, and the bottom of it was blue. <laughs> then I kind of sensed. I didn't see nothing right then, but I kind of sensed that uh, somebody else was in the room and somebody was coming toward me. So I rolled my head over, and I looked. And this uh, female-looking creature, now I don't know if it was a female or if it was a male or what it was, uh, but... She, I'm calling it a female because she was smaller built than uh, anything. And, you know, a male can just sense a female when they around one. And that comes from experience. I've been to Bourbon Street a lot, New Orleans, you know, and you have males that come up. You know they're male. Then you have females. And <laughs> usually the males look better than the females because they take a lot more pride in themselves most of the time. <laughs> but, uh. This was, uh, I, was I just sensed it was a female the way she came. <laughs> and the only thing difference that I noticed about her was her hands. Now, she, her two middle fingers on both hands was a little longer than what a, a real human's fingers would be. And that didn't really bother me at the moment that this happened. But she reached over and she kind of rubbed me on the cheek like your grandmother would rub you a little bit. And I didn't feel any kind of feeling, any kind of sensation in her hands. No warmth, no feelings, just like 
she didn't do it, I guess. But she did because I was rolling my head and kind of looking in. And then she caught me by surprise. She took her other hand and she pushed down on my chin. Now, keep in mind, I'm laying on my back. And she took them two fingers off that other hand and she rubbed, crammed them down my throat. And she tried to come up behind that little thing that hangs me down back there. Now, somebody told me one time what it was and it don't. I don't know what it is. I call it my hang-me-down. And I started choking. My nose started bleeding. And uh, she pulled her hand out. That kind of surprised me. And then a female redneck voice. Now, th this is mental telepathy. Or she was communicating mentally with me. But it was the strangest thing I've ever seen. It was like uh, a female redneck girl from Mississippi. And I... I think they can disguise themselves and their voices so they can be anybody they want to. And I knew they, they knew that wouldn't be as frightening to a little redneck boy as what it would be, you know, to maybe something else. She says, we're not going to harm you. And then I thought, you know, that's a little bit late for all this saying this right now, but I couldn't do nothing. And then she backed up out of the way and made a mumbling noise. Now, somebody has to live in a swamp to understand this mumbling noise when I'm going to describe it. During the spring, the alligators have a mating call down here. And you could hear it. They vibrate, and you could hear them for miles. They go, that, the voice that they make. And that's what it kind of reminded me of. And this ugly thing in the corner, he jumped up like a jack-in-the-box. And he come over there, grabbed me by the arm. Now, I didn't know what was fixing to happen again, but I felt another injection. And, and this is when, uh, well, I calmed back down again. But I was bleeding. I was a dang bloody mess now. Uh, just from the examination that uh, she had given me with her fingers. So she backed up out of the way, and I didn't see her no more. And he picked me up by the arm carried us out, put us out on the river. I was facing the river. My arms stretched out toward the river. Uh, it was the darndest thing I ever seen. And that's the first time I heard Charlie. I didn't see him just right then. He said, Calvin, Calvin, you okay, son? And I thought, well, heck, no, I'm not okay. You know, I just look what I went through. So we sat down and we talked for a minute. We didn't talk about what happened to us. We didn't compare notes. We didn't do anything like that. The only thing I remember saying, and he agreed with me, is, you know, we don't need to tell nobody this. People's going to think we're crazy. Let's not tell nobody, Charlie. Oh, we, you're right, son. We don't need to tell nobody. So we made ourselves. We got up after sitting there for a minute because we knew the danger was over because we we seen this thing pick up off the ground. The lights went out, picked it up off the ground a little bit, just shoot straight up into the air like a streak of lightning. So we made ourselves to the car, and it took just a few minutes to get back, get our fishing equipment in there and all. And I noticed the windows on the passenger side of my car were shattered in place. And uh, they got a safety 
glass in them windows to keep them from just shattering and falling out. And I asked some uh, uh, a car guy about this when I seen they didn't fall out right then. But it was shattered in place, and we was opening the door. Charlie was. And the window fell out. He got in. Then I managed to get in. Now, in 1973, this was a brand-new little car. It had very few miles on it. So uh, I started trying to crank the car. This thing wouldn't crank for nothing. And I wound on it long enough to run the battery down. The battery should have been completely dead. But it wasn't. It just kept going. And... uh Finally got it cranked, and it didn't run real good then. It just kind of spittered and spattered, and we left. Well, I was headed back to our apartment, and there was a uh, little store over on the right, a little convenience store. Now, in 73, everybody needed to keep in mind, there wasn't no cell phones. There was no social media, and there was blue laws in the state of Mississippi where the stores closed. So, but the one thing this store had on the outside, which about 90% of the stores did, was a payphone. So we pulled up, and I thought Charlie was going to call his wife. I didn't know he was going to betray my trust. And we looked up under the seat, and we found some change, because neither one of us had enough to make a phone call. We dug under them seats, that old car, he had some change. Well, he made a call, and I wasn't paying much attention to it. He come back to his car, and he told me, he said, that was Casey, they told me to call the local law enforcement. And I said, Charlie, you ain't supposed to call nobody or tell nobody nothing. Uh, that's what we agreed on. Well, I need some more change. So he dug up under a seat, and he found another nickel or dime, whatever it was back in. He called again, and this time... He called the local law enforcement, which was the Jackson County Sheriff Department in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Well, of course, you know, you get some nut calling you that you've been abducted by aliens and all this. <laughs> They're going to get right on after. They don't want you to go nowhere. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they told him, look. Oh, white lightning y'all stay there. Right, y'all stay right there. <laughs> y'all don't go nowhere and I know what they was thinking we was probably either drinking our own drugs <laughs> they didn't know we was too broke to do either one if we did do anything like that but uh, anyhow we stayed parked right there because I was scared to move after they told us not to and it wasn't just a minute they pulled up in a patrol car well of course I was the one driving. Charlie was sitting over on the passenger side, so they didn't uh, really wasn't too concerned about him, but they come over to my side of the car, wanted to see my driver's license. So I showed them my driver's license. Of course, back in you didn't have to have insurance, so they didn't ask for none of that. And they said, uh, step out of the car, Mr. Parker. And they just looked in. They didn't search the car. So I stepped out, and he shined one of the brightest flashlights you know, I had two bright lights in my eyes that night. One is from the abduction, and now here come a uh, quick draw McGraw, Barney Five, shining his <laughs> flashlight in my eyes. And it, it's one of them D-cell flashlights where you got nine batteries, I think, and then they turn around and beat you with the other end of it if you can't get a reaction of it. 
But, you know, they was nice. He shined his hair in my eyes. He said, now, and looked at him. He said, now, look, I need you to do something. I said, okay. He said, stand on one leg, bend your head back, close your eyes, touch your nose, and count from 100 backwards. And I said, man, I can't do that if I was sober, much less if I'd been drinking or something. He said, just do it. So I did. I stood on my one leg, I bent my head back, I closed my eyes, I touched my nose, I counted backwards, and I thought I did pretty good at that. He told me, he said, well, you don't, I don't smell nothing on you, you don't appear to be drinking any, and uh, y'all followed me to the sheriff's department. Well, that proved to me right there that they didn't uh, think I was drinking, but when they got us there, I took a uh, breathalyzer test, and they took Charlie in one room. They took me into another room. And I wasn't calling an interrogation. They just asked us what happened. Of course, I was staying with a story. Nothing happened. I mean, I don't know what this crazy fool was talking about in there, but nothing has happened. <laughs> he said, uh, well, look, they brought us back together then. And they had a room. And they put us in this room together. Now, like an idiot with loose lips, I okay, didn't know now, they had a tape recorder now, in this room. Now, Calvin. And I got in there, okay, sir. We got to hold now because we got to go break for the radio stations in about 30 seconds. I I, okay. I think it's going to be good after the break to find out what you guys were talking about in, in that yeah. room. But you know what? Could you imagine? You, you, you get a sheriff deputy and you, you got one person saying, oh, we were abducted by aliens. Oh, you know, they're going to wonder, well, maybe you guys were hitting some moonshine, uh, doing drugs. Who knows what you were doing or smoking some of that funny stuff. Well, you know, all that would have been a lot more fun than what we went through. <laughs> I think yeah. it would have been. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, okay, well, we're going to go on break. We'll be back in about three minutes with Calvin Parker. We're going to find out what happened in that room. And how much they actually talk without realizing is they're probably being recorded and listened to in the other room. We'll be back in three minutes. You're listening to Night Dream Stock Radio. This is Gary. We got Calvin Parker telling about his abduction uh, case. And we got uh, James Krishbaum out there. So we'll be back. Selfish and cruel since his youthful days in school His siblings he never did treat well His self-centered bent was his dark side lament With a focus on hypnotize and spell He memorized laws to help sharpen his claws For a future for which he was bent The time would surely come when for office he would run and claim he was just heaven sent. Another politician has just taken center stage. He tells all the people that he loves them so. He comes on like a sage, says with him they should engage. A false prophet selling endless empty prose. 
Left of a dead body's on his climb to the top The highest post was his aspiration But he forgot to read the portrait and the contract that he signed Which caused a U-turn to his final destination He continued on his pathway of destruction and decay Never thinking that his wicked life would end It is Ryan here and I have a question for you What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He never did take stock that the devil is not mocked. And all those broken fences will not mend. Another politician has just taken center stage He tells all the people that he loves them So he comes on like a sage Says with him they should engage A false prophet selling endless empty prose He feels no lament for the lives that he spent A jackal who thinks he can't be touched But there will come a day when the devil's birds of prey Paint their canvas with his lost souls carrying brush He was with his favorite call girl and his black limousine Doing lines of coke and drinking cold champagne When it heard the distant rumble of a thousand bad black wings An explosion which caused his ears to pain his mind was filled with terror as a limo roof was severed by iron talons that grabbed his soul. There were visceral screams and moans and the sound of crushing bones as the birds from hell flew him to his new home. Another politician has just taken center stage. He tells all the people that he loves them. If you would like to hear Night Dreams Talk Radio on your local radio station, let them know. Tell them to check out www.nightdreamstalkradio.com and thank you. You can advertise your business on Night Dreams Talk Radio and you will be heard worldwide. Why not contact us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. Please check out the Night Dreams Talk Radio website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. Also, if you want to keep our show free of advertising, just hit the donate button. Give a buck or two. Remember, all prior shows are always free to listen to. We at Night Dreams Talk Radio thank you for your support. Coming to you from some far point station, like a cosmic tumbleweed, both north and south of the Pleiades, here's your host, Gary Anderson. 
and just waiting for that thundercloud to pass by, which it just did. We got Calvin Parker on now. Him and his buddy are been put into a room. Did they lock the door on you by any chance there, Calvin? No, I don't. They didn't lock the door that night. I don't think they did. They kind of closed it. And uh, they all backed up in the hall. So I was, I would have been afraid to run out because there was pretty big deputies there. Oh, wow. <laughs> so here you are in this room. And do you, do you have any assumption that you're probably being listened to? I have no clue. Now, you think about it. I was a 19-year-old little redneck boy that never has been anywhere or done nothing, never even got to watch much TV when I was coming up. We was allowed to watch on Sundays at Walt Disney show, and that was about the run of TV. Oh, wow. So, But they had us. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. They had us locked in this room, or I say locked. They had us in this room. We had no idea a tape recorder was there. Me and Charlie had done talked about not telling anybody. Well, I was pretty upset at him by then. But we started talking between ourselves. And uh, Charlie asked me while we was in there, you okay, son? I said, well, I felt like I stepped on a damn rattlesnake. You know, that's how scared it scared me. And uh, we was talking about more or less what had happened to us in there in private conversation. And then we seen one of the deputies coming back in there, and we just uh, quit talking. We just kind of shut up because they had already told me that if this is a hoax, you're fixing to go to jail for a long time. Well, I knew it wasn't a hoax, but, you know, in any court of law until you prove yourself, and I didn't figure this out until I got a lot older, until you prove yourself innocent, you're really guilty. They arrest you, they take your money, they lock you up, and you got to prove, spend money to prove that you're innocent. So, you know, I just wasn't there with all that. I just didn't want to talk about none of it. But what they did, they came, the sheriff came in, Fred Diamond, who was sheriff then, and he reached in his, uh, under a desk there and pulled something out. Now, I thought he was just getting something out of a drawer or something. I wasn't paying much attention. Well, they left a room. Well, I seen two or three of them ganged up outside, but what they was doing was listening to this tape recorder. Well, when they came back in to see us, the sheriff come in this time, and he was real humble, and uh, his attitude had really changed a lot. He, I mean, he was a complete different man than what everybody was, and all the deputies were, too, when uh, they came back in. And uh, I asked him uh, when we could get to go. Or rather, he told me, he said, look, son, I'll talk to y'all in the morning. I need to see y'all tomorrow, but I'll come find y'all, and uh, y'all go home and get some rest. Now, the next morning, the sheriff gave a press release that there was no doubt in his mind that we went through something. Now, he didn't say an alien abduction or anything like that, but he said that these men had experienced something traumatic. Well, they let us get out, and they let me drive us on home, and we put it on to uh, Charlie's house. Well, we got to his house, 
and I had talked to uh, one of the deputies, and I had talked to Charlie. You know, I know what happened. I know something happened to us. I don't know what happened or who it was. But I watched these Apollo missions on TV, and I seen when they come back out of space, they would quarantine them even from their families for seven days. Nobody would go around them. So this was the thought of this was kind of making me feel like I had some kind of disease or something. And uh, I was worried about exposing everybody to radiation. So I brought that up to Charlie when we was going home. I said, you know, Charlie, we might need to get checked before we go around anybody's family or any anybody else because we could kill off the whole planet if we got one of these viruses that explodes on you. And he said, don't worry about it, son. We'll, we'll get checked out later. Don't worry about it. Well, I knew I was dead anyhow. We had anything, so I just quit worrying about it. We got home. I did take a precaution, though. I went to my room, or I was renting a room for Charlie, so I went back to that back bathroom, and there was a gallon of bleach sitting on the tub. And a, I had brought, back then, we, they didn't have plastic bags or anything, and I didn't have a suitcase, so when I moved in over there, I brought a paper bag with me full of clothes. And I took all my clothes off, even my shoes, and I put them in this paper bag. I got over in the bathtub, and I got this gallon of bleach, and I just turned it over my head and poured it all down me and rubbed it in. Then I turned the shower on and washed it off. Now, that's how I thought, you know, that... uh we might be exposed to something, and I didn't want to expose anybody else. And I always remembered when me and my brother would go out and play, Mama was a fanatic about bathing us and all. I mean, she didn't even wash her mouth out with soap a lot sometimes. But but uh, when we come in, if we'd been out in poison ivy or just out in the mud or something, she'd put a little bleach in her bath water and wash us. And I thought about that, and I remember her saying, you know, that'll take care of anything. Of course it does. It brings your hair out and <laughs> bring- boils your skin, turns colors on you. So I got, I went in there, and I put on some clothes. I took that bag out to the dumpster, and Charlie and his wife were still in there talking. What about, I don't know, don't really care. And, uh... I came back, and I was going to lay down and sleep. That was one of the longest nights I ever spent in my life. I was laying there thinking instead of sleeping, and I couldn't sleep. So about 6 the next morning, I said, well, we need to get out of bed and uh, <clears throat> go to work. We got to go to work. So I jumped up out of bed, went in there, and Charlie was sitting up drinking coffee. I said, you ready for work? Yeah. Okay, so we left and drove into the F.B. Walker and Sun Shipyard. Now, I don't know how many cars were supposed to be there because this is just my second day at work. We got a piece of brass, and they got a number on a piece of brass, and you hand that in, and it's like punching a time card. You give it to them when you get there, and they give it to you when you leave, and they write your time down. So we brassed in. Went to our workstations, and we didn't even get to the workstations good. Now, I noticed a lot of cars in the parking lot, 
And they called our names on the intercom and sent somebody out of the office to get us. And I thought, oh, Lord, what now? So when we got to the office, the owner of the shipyard come in. He said, oh, look, we can't conduct any kind of business here. We, uh, the, we can't even answer our own phones because they're ringing off the hook. Y'all can't work on the yard because people's going to be wanting to talk to y'all. There's nothing we can do. We need to give a press release. And I didn't want to admit that anything happened. I said, well, talk to Charlie. So uh, the owner of the shipyard called their attorney, which was Joe Flamingo. And he came down, and Charlie gave a press release to him. I told Charlie, I said, you leave my name out of this. So anyhow, Charlie gave out a press release, and apparently Joe went out and he talked to everybody. Well, about the time all this was going on, the sheriff, Fred Diamond, showed up and his lead detectives, and they said, we need to get y'all to the hospital and have you checked. Remember you talking last night, you said you need to be checked. So they took us to the Sangin River Hospital in Pasquagula, Mississippi, and I'll never forget Dr. Bosco, which is 97, 98 years old right now, and he's still alive, uh, gave us a thorough exam. They did blood work. They did everything. And he gave us the go-ahead to uh, to uh, go. He said, y'all look fine. Y'all seem healthy. Uh, I don't believe y'all got any bacteria, but y'all need to go be checked for radiation. So, of course, we went out, got back in the patrol car, and it wasn't just a few minutes. We were sitting in front of Keesler Gates, Keesler Air Force Base, and it was about 30 miles from where this happened or where we were, and we got there pretty quick. And when we got to the gate, they didn't shut us down or nothing. They just flagged us on through, and they had an escort in front of us, and they carried us back to a... Uh, Looked like a big warehouse loading dock to me. And they all had, there was about six of them there, and they had on hazmat suits, and they had something in their hand. They come got us out of the car, and they told everybody else back up out of the way. They checked us for radiation, which they didn't find nothing that wasn't average. And uh, when they got through, one of the guys said, all clear. And they took their hazmat suits off. He said, now, they want to see y'all in the back. There's a uh, conference room back there. And y'all need to go back there because they want to talk to y'all. Just straight down the end of this hall. Well, that hall seemed like it was 40 miles long time we got to the end of it. And when the doors opened up, it was a pretty good-sized conference room. Well, they had some military officials there. They had some law enforcement there from each of the coastal counties, Jackson, Harrison, and Hancock. They had the mayors from three counties there. And you could tell they were all concerned, and they wanted to hear the story. Now, this is the first time that I kind of sat down and told the story to them, because by this time, I was more afraid of what they was fixing to do than what had happened to us. I bet you were. Yeah. Yeah, so I figured I needed to be a little bit honest with some of these people because they showed great concern about it. None of them got out of place. None of 
tried to attack our character. They was all really pretty nice. I mean, from the Air Force to the law enforcement and all. So we sat there and we told them a little bit what happened. And they said, well, y'all can go. Well, the sheriff and his deputy uh, took us back out to the car. And uh, we got in the car and we was going. They said, now, look, we take y'all back to the shipyard, but y'all don't need to leave. There's somebody there that wants to see you or talk to you. I thought, man, when's this day going to be over so I can go home? We got back. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And the person that was there, of course, I didn't know him or know who he was or know what he was doing or anything, was Dr. Uh, Dr. Heinick that was over Project Blue Book. Of course, Project Blue Book wasn't known at this time now in 73. Him and Dr. James Allen Harder came down on their own dime and wanted to interview us and investigate this case themselves. Now, how they got down that fast, I don't know, because if they were in California where they lived and took a plane straight there, they still wouldn't have made it that quick. But they did. I even asked uh, Paul Heineck, their son, and I got to meet him and spend a good deal of time with him at this conference. How did they get there if he knew? He said he had no idea unless they was already down here on something. But anyhow, Dr. Heineck took me into a room, and Harder took Charlie into a room. Well, while Harder was examining Charlie, and uh, Heineck was talking to me, and then I went in there to seen Harder, and uh, Charlie went in with Dr. Heineck. Of course, he checked my arms for the injection wounds and all that, you know, and they was there. They was marks right there. And I had, my face was pretty bruised up where that whatever it was run her fingers down my throat. And, uh, you know, she got a little bit rough there. So, anyhow, they'd seen us, and I wanted to go home. He said, look, y'all go on back, get you some rest. I'm going out to the site, look at the site, and I'm going to talk to some people. And I want to see y'all in the morning again. Out of respect for him, being they told me who he was, and I was scared not to come back in the morning. Because I was starting to hear stories. Now, before this time, I didn't know what a UFO or an alien was or what men in black were or nothing else. Didn't really care. So 
We went in, got some rest, come back the next morning. And I remember the first thing Heineck was doing was having a conversation with the sheriff and asking them why they didn't tape off the site where this happened and leave a guard out there until he could get that evidence checked. But, you know, they didn't. Back in, they didn't worry too much about stuff. So we got through with our little interview things with him, and that's when I cut trail. Just as soon as we got through, my clothes was in the car. I just left Charlie at the shipyard, and I shagged my butt to Laurel, Mississippi, where home was to me, which was 109 miles from the coast. Of course, I went through a lot of problems when I got there. I had a nervous breakdown one time. Uh, the media wouldn't leave me alone. I didn't want to talk about all this. I was brokenhearted with Charlie because he was supposed to be a friend, and I just knew Charlie's the one that broke the story. Now, later on, I found out, I did find out how the story got out, and it wasn't Charlie, but this caused, I guess in a way, Charlie did, because he went on to publicize it and talk about it and all. And I took the other road of just being quiet, not saying nothing about it. But people in the state of Mississippi, and I guess they this way anywhere, are generally pretty nosy. So they all had scanners, and they was listening in on police scanners. They would listen to the police department and the fire departments on these handheld scanners. And when the sheriff's department called this in, that's when it kind of got out. Mississippi Press newspaper was monitoring scanners. Of course, they couldn't wait to tell a story that good and get them on the spotlight. And that's where the news media started. And they wouldn't leave me alone. They handed me. I figured if I stay hid for a week, you know, everybody gets the 15 minutes of fame and they'd be gone. I didn't know it was going to be 45 years of fame in this deal. <laughs> I chose not to talk to my wife or my friends about this at the time because I was in the process of... Uh, Getting married the next month. This happened in October. I was going to get married in November. And her daddy was twisting my head off. But they all heard about it in the news. I chose not to talk about it myself because I just didn't want to talk about it at the time. And up until uh, I decided to do the book, which was last year, you know, I kept my silence until this book come out. And I didn't really ever figure one book would sell. I figured I was going to buy 10 copies, hand one of them out to my family members, one or two to my friends, and say, y'all read this. Y'all read about it. I'm not going to tell you about it. But this thing skyrocketed. Within the first week, we was number one bestseller. And... It just went from there. Every day something new's happening and something else is coming in. And then now the second book's out because we didn't have a... It wouldn't be fair to write a little article in the first book and put it back out and somebody had to buy it to read that one. So we ended up, by the time Philip got through uh, with all the evidence and interviewing all the new witnesses... And it's past my goal. The story continues, new evidence and new witnesses. And it's as big as the first book. We have books in uh, 
French, uh, Spanish, German. They're coming out in Russian. And we just we just in every country around right now. Well, I got to say uh, something. You know, uh, your story, what happened to you? Uh, you know, it, it, between you and uh, Terry Lovelace and Whitney Springer, Springer, Springer uh, it, 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 I, I tell you, it, it is really convincing. Stuff is going on and what you went through. And I got to ask you a question. All this to you emotionally, did it cause you to have to go from job to job to job? I mean, did it cause insecurity or did, what What did it cause to you, the damage emotionally? I got a lot of practice filling out resumes. Yes, sir. I went from job to job. And when somebody found out where I was and started asking me about it, I would just quit that job and go find me something else to do. Now, what I did, I started out in the oil field and I've I've done everything from oil field to bounty hunt to uh, construction work. And the only peace of mind I really got, I kind of bought a construction company and run it myself. And I hid my name from everybody. I didn't tell them who I was. This neighborhood that we lived in here, it's actually a good neighborhood. The neighbors and all tried to protect me the best they could or my identity. But, you know, every now and then somebody would slip up and um, want to say, that's that guy that got abducted by the aliens over there. Now, everybody's been real nice, and nobody's really ridiculed me about it. They find it interesting. And that's the way that the book had to come about. We had a neighbor that passed away, and we went to the wake. And uh, normally I would never sign nothing in public where somebody could read my name. But I signed the register that day because my wife was busy. And when I signed that register, people started walking up and talking. Are you the Calvin Parker? Well, that's what I've been all my life since 1954. They said, well, tell us about. I said, so we sat there and talked just a minute, just kind of shot the bull. And I said, look, fellas, this is not the place talk about this I said this lady and her daughter is grieving and I don't want to interfere with their grieving or their families or whatever's going on here so I told my wife let's just get in the car and leave well on the way home she said oh, why don't you write a book the people really care about you I said the people really don't care about me they want to hear about the story I said I don't have an education one yet and I didn't. I said, I don't know how to write a book. I don't want to write a book. Well, she just kept on about it. I finally said, well, you know, maybe I'll find a ghostwriter. I had no intentions to let nobody write a book about this. And we went on home, and just to pacifier shut her up about it. Well, just so happened the next day, Philip Mantle from the U.K. called on a complete different uh Ideal. He wanted to ask me some things about Charlie's book. That's like I told him, you know, I don't know about Charlie's book. I never read the book. The only thing I know is Charlie Hickson came to me and said, sign this contract. I was young and dumb then, and uh, we'll give you a little percentage of this. I never received a dime. It actually cost me money 
<laughs> by signing uh, a deal, I mean, so, you know, I never got a penny off that book. I never read the book, never wanted the book. Finally, Philip gave me a book, and it's st- I still hadn't read it. Don't care to read it. I don't want to know what happened to him. I know what happened to me, and that's it. So in the meantime, Philip said, well, why don't you write a book? I said, Philip, I don't have an education. And my deal is every time I talk to the media about this, they change it up. They change the story as bizarre as this is. They want to change it and add to it or take away from it. I understand. He said, well, think about it. I'm going to call you back in a week. He said, let me give you something to think about. I said, all right, give me something to think about. He said, let this be your legacy. It'll be in black and white. They can't nobody change that. And, uh, you know, your story's out there then. You don't have to tell them it's there. I said, well, I'll think about it. Call me in a week. Well, what I did on his phone number, you know, on your caller ID, I just put no answer where the number was because I had no intentions of talking to this man again. And uh, didn't know him, didn't didn't care to even get to know him then because he wanted was on this UFO subject. Well, I was at the boat landing, loading my boat, and my phone started ringing, and it just kept ringing and ringing and ringing. And I thought, well, something might be wrong at home. I reached up on my boat, picked up the phone, didn't look at it, just answered the phone. Well, have you thought about it? This is Philip. Have you thought about it? Yeah, I I don't really care to do this, Philip. Make it your legacy. So we talked a few minutes, and he actually started making a lot of sense. And then my wife had been on my case about it. So between him and her both, I said, now, Philip, here's the deal. I'll do a little book. Uh, I don't want nothing changed in it. I don't have an education. I don't want any words corrected. I don't want a punctuation mark put in. I don't want nothing changed whatsoever. Now, he changed one word in the whole book, and it kind of was funny. At the back of the book, I was talking about eating a bologna sandwich, and he changed it to a blondie sandwich because he he didn't really understand what a bologna sandwich (laughs) is, I don't guess. You know, I don't know what to eat over in the U.K. I know they don't speak good English, even though they invented the language over there. Now, hey, Calvin. I hate to say it, it's time for a break, and then we have you for another half an hour. We're going to find out a little bit more about this, and I think James has a lot of questions to ask you. So, you know, if you want to get a cup of java, a cup of tea, or whatever, uh, you got about three minutes, uh, uh, Calvin. And we'll be back with Calvin Parker on Night Dream Stock Radio After Dark. Selfish and cruel since his youthful days in school His siblings he never did treat well His self-centered bent was his dark side lament With a focus on hypnotize and spell He memorized laws to help sharpen his claws For a future for which he was bent 
the time would surely come when for office he would run and claim he was just heaven sent. Another politician has just taken center stage. He tells all the people that he loves them so. He comes on like a sage, says with him they should engage. A false prophet selling endless empty pros. He stepped of a dead body's on his climb to the top. The highest post was his aspiration. But he forgot to read the portrait and the contract that he signed, which caused a U-turn to his final destination. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Continued on his pathway of destruction and decay, never thinking that his wicked life would end. He never did take stock that the devil is not mocked, and all those broken fences will not mend. Another politician has just taken center stage. He tells all the people that he loves them so. He comes on like a sage, says with him they should engage. A false prophet selling endless empty probes. He feels no lament for the lives that he spent. A jackal who thinks he can't be touched. But there will come a day when the devil's birds of prey paint their canvas with his lost soul's carrying brush. With his favorite call girl and his black limousine Doing lines of coke and drinking cold champagne When it heard the distant rumble of a thousand bad black wings An explosion which caused his ears to pain His mind was filled with terror as a limo roof was severed By Iron Talons that grabbed his soul there were visceral screams and moans And the sound of crushing bones As the birds from hell flew him to his new home Good evening, or morning, depending on your time zone From the Pacific to the Atlantic to you worldwide Get yourself a cup of java And find a comfy, easy chair And get ready for Gary and his guest on Night Dreams Talk Radio, After Dark. And now, here's Gary. Well, here I am, and I'll tell you what, tonight is going to be a packed show. We got Calvin Parker on right now, talking about, well, his abduction and what it's done to his life afterwards, and 
what got him to write his book, or books, I should say. And then after him, we got Irina Scott will be on for an hour talking about uh, what she did uh, regarding with UFOs. And then at 9.30, we have Ryan coming on with UFO reports. So we got a crammed evening here. Now, James, do you have some questions for Calvin? Yeah, I got a couple of questions. How you doing, Calvin? Doing right. Um, when the um, the female alien was sticking her fingers up your nose and back up in your head and uh, in your cavities up there, was she trying to put an implant in there, do you believe? I really believe that's what she was doing. And mm-hmm. uh, it was really painful. And whether she got it in or not, I don't know. I assume she had a mission. And I think they, like anybody else, uh, they come here on a mission and they accomplish their mission and then went on about their business. And whatever they had to do to do it, they did. And I really think that's why she pulled out her fingers as fast as she did. Right. And and wasn't it validated, there was evidence validated from the your doctor that... in. Um, examined you guys that there was documentation proving that you know what his in his words um to validate your guys's induction or um, abduction yes sir yeah they uh well you know it it was val- validated several times and then some of the uh witnesses had seen this plus the uh puncher marks on her arm and both Charlie and I had them, them, and then just a pure fear, then a tape. You know, there was there's a lot of evidence that came back, and that's the only reason this second book came forward. And you know, I didn't really want to do the first book. I did it because I felt kind of obligated to do it. I'm glad I did. But the second book, I really got into, and. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed it. I, I still read it every now and then. And Philip done most of the second book there. I mean, i got to give the man credit. He did all the research and pulled all this together, everything in it. Him and Irene Scott, uh, mm-hmm. just to give her a lot of credit. And I'm looking forward to listening to her tonight. And so, do you think – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm. I'm that's good. Do, do you think the um, these – Beans, you think there's they um, they've been watching you all along, and if so, how many times do you think they may have abducted you? Well, I don't know about the abduction times, but something uh, brought back a memory tonight. I was watching this JFK special that I had taped earlier today, and I remember back when this was going on, my uh, right after JFK's got assassinated, and this is the time limit that I was kind of putting on it. Me and my brother had to share a room because we had a small house, and, you know, we uh, shared the same room. Sometimes we'd sleep in the same bed. Most of the time, though, one of us sleep on the floor and the other one sleep in the bed. But I remember him hollering out one night. He called me Pee-wee. Pee-wee, there's a ghost blowing in your ear. Well, my ear was wet, and it scared me, and it scared the daylights out of him, and everybody come running in there. They said, what's wrong? And he said, there's a ghost that was blowing in Pee-wee's ear. 
And I think, actually, that night could have been an attempt of uh, maybe not an abduction, but like an examination. And then, uh, you know, I think it's two or three more different times that I'm not sure. All these is really hard to be sure of. Now, a lot of it come out. Kathleen Martin did a good hypnosis job, three-hour session on me. And there's a lot of information that was more detailed that come out in that. So, you know, it's just hard to say. Yeah, and that's, that is something that brought back those memories today. Because I was thinking, too, you know, I, I bet they've probably abducted you or did it, um, like you said, examinations right there in the room several times. Maybe you just don't know it. And, and uh, hopefully you, you can have... You can have some more regressions and maybe bring out some of these memories. Yeah, and you know, I'm not for sure that I want to remember any uh, more of these memories. I've yeah, just about I got, got my houseboat ready, so you know, I'm going to be spending a lot of memories on there. I bet. Now, when before you go to bed at night, do you ever, like, your anxiety levels get uh, amped up, you know, wondering are they going to come back tonight? Or I mean, it surely got away on you some somewhere along the line. Well, to be honest, when I'm up, I try to keep myself busy. So when I go to bed, I'm give out, and I go mm -hmm. to bed about five during the evening. But I'm up at eleven o'clock, or no later than one o'clock every morning, and I'm up all night. Then I just find it hard for me to sleep with my family in here and thinking something can happen to them. Of course, I've never told them the reason I do this, but that's the reason, you know, you worry about not necessarily myself, but you worry about the people around you and that maybe something like this happens. So I call myself getting up, protecting my family, my little dog, and, uh, you know, I, I just don't sleep at night. I'm nocturnal. I got to ask you a question. I'm going to jump in real quick. You know, Terry mm -hmm. Lovelace, you know, has the same problem. And not just him. Whitney uh, has the same problem. Uh, wanting to go to bed at night, not being able to sleep the whole night through. And and just worried. Now, I know Terry Lovelace said he carries a high-powered flashlight next to his bed with a well, a gun. Do you have anything like that? Are you worried about being abducted again? Because Terry Lovelace said the next time they try to abduct him, he's going to take one of them out. He's not going to be abducted again. Well, you know, I worry more now about uh, people than I do the aliens. And I I got guns in the house. Uh, and they just for somebody kicks in my door. But I don't want... It, my motto is I carried one for years, but if you carry a weapon on you, sooner or later you're going to have to use it. And I don't want to hurt nobody, so, you know, I don't want to, I don't even want to hurt them. I just want them to leave me alone. Well, why did you carry a weapon on you for years? Well, I was a bounty hunter for a little while, and that's pretty dangerous work at times, so I, I got used to carrying one. I had a license to carry it. And uh, I just carried it. And I still got every room in the house, you know, it's got some kind of weapons in it. Interesting. Well, James, I'll let you get back and ask questions. I just wanted to ask those couple of questions there. Yeah, very good questions. Uh, Calvin, do you think 
the um, these entities or beings, whatever you want to call them, that have been abducting you or observing you, do you think it's all the same species? Not it's not. Do you think it's different ones involved too, or is it the same ones? I'm pretty sure physically it's got to be the same ones, but who's to say? They don't have masks on. They can't disguise their language. Who's to really say what's behind all that? And I never thought about that. Uh, somebody mentioned the other day, well, that could have been a mask they had on just to keep from scaring you. And I got to thinking, well, you know, they've learned a language to keep from scaring me. Uh, they made it kind of soothing. I've always said, you know, they said, well, what did she look like? I said, well, if I was in a bar drinking and I happened to bump into her I, and I was a single man, I'd probably ask her out on a date. <laughs> so she looks normal, you know, like an old redneck girl. Mm-hmm. My kind of women, you know, I I don't like a high society person. I've never been that way. I like just a plain old personality person, some, somebody you can talk to and be around. And, and I got that in my wife, you know, I, so, uh, well, let me ask you another question. Have you ever, do you think they may mimic things or, or, um, maybe play on your brain and pull memories out of your brain of something that, that you like, and maybe they can mimic and project that to you to maybe calm you down. So maybe you've seen them other times and didn't realize it. Well, I really do believe that. And one thing that made me believe this, uh, we went on a little trip to Florida. This is, I got to meet Bud Hopkins and all out there. And when we was all talking, I was talking to this girl, uh, Debbie Jordan and Bud Hopkins and some more of my friends was out there. And I was talking to this lady. She said, you know, I'm a walk-in. Well, I didn't know what a world a walk-in was. And she said, yeah, I'm a walk-in. And by golly, she was trying to pretty well had me convinced there for a little bit because she was saying things that, uh, you know, she shouldn't know. And she said, come with me. I want to show you something. So we went up. It was a high-rise apartment, 16, 17 stories, walked out on the balcony, and she said, look, we're going to prove to everybody who we are now. We're going to fly off this balcony. And I just looked at her and said, ladies first, go right ahead. And I turned around and got my butt out of there. Yeah, that was kind of a scary moment. What do you think was the agenda there with that? I don't know. I don't know if she was just some crazy somebody I'm in or if she really was a walk-in. You know, but what made me feel like it, she knew details about me that nobody should know. You know, everybody has their... uh, skeletons in their closet and everything. And you, there's a lot of things that goes on that you just don't tell people. And she knew solid details. Hmm. I mean, she knew some things my wife didn't even know. Yeah, that'd be enough she to you right there. <laughs> now, yeah. when, you were, when you were on the ship, was there any distinct smells that, you know, that was... You know, if you smelled it again, it would definitely remind you of being on the ship. Well, I get reminded of that every day living here on the Gulf Coast. 
uh, there are smells that you just can't get rid of. Like this, the Gulf Coast living on this water, you have a dead fish smell. We got a pogey plant close to us now. It's always the strong odors. And that kind of followed us into the craft that night, them strong odors it did. And that kind of reminds me of it sometime when I'm out fishing because, you know, but I didn't smell nothing different that was in inside the craft and all that I normally wouldn't smell. Now, hey, Calvin, mm-hmm. I got to ask you this. Sorry to jump in, James. Uh, That's the, fine. Okay, one thing that Terry Lovelace, and I just mentioned him because he was on the show here a couple times in the last two weeks, that when he was taken aboard the craft, he noticed a whole bunch of other people, you know, men, women, children, naked, holding their clothes. He also said he heard screams of pain from, like, women. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, that, uh, you know, like they're being tortured or examined roughly or whatever. But he, one thing he noticed that him and his buddy were released and these other people were on the craft when it took back off. So those people evidently weren't lucky. They weren't allowed to go back home. Now, when you were on this craft, did you notice any other people? Did you hear any screams? Did you see anything strange? Did they? Uh, did you have to take your clothes off when you were in the uh, craft? Did they strip you naked? Well, you know, she tried, but uh, I didn't hear nobody else in the craft, and I didn't see anything, you know, that would resemble somebody. But that don't mean it wasn't. That don't mean there wasn't somebody in there that they was holding captive. And I, I really think that, you know, the human race is kind of like cattle. And I, I really think that they might take some people back with them, experiment with them, and throw them out later. You know, Travis Walton, I talked to him, and he was gone, what, nine days or something like that. And what yeah. all happened when he was gone, I don't know. But I do know that I wasn't about to go with him. No, I don't blame you. It, 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 the, the things I've heard, like I've also have another guest is coming on that when he was abducted, he was abducted on one of these huge crafts, he, you know, like the size of a Walmart type of craft. And when he was taken in there, he was taken in this huge room and there was like table after table of humans strapped to the tables. And also, I think Terry was talking about something like that, too. I just is curious. Did you, you, you didn't see anything like that? How, was it, how big a craft was it inside? Well, you know, it looked 
the ceilings looked to be about uh, 12 foot high when you got inside. And the rooms that I was in was not real big, rather small. But, uh, you know, I really couldn't see the whole craft from the inside. But the outside is about the length of a football field or about 80 foot. Interesting. Or not a football field, but 80 from 80 to 120 foot, probably. Smaller craft. Now, James, go ahead. You, you got a couple more minutes to ask some questions. Mm-hmm. Um, Calvin, when those robotic type aliens, when they grabbed a hold of you, what did, what did that feel like? Was it like metal or did it, was it fleshy feeling or was it electrical? How would that feel? You know, it was absolutely no feeling until they gave that injection in the arm. Then I heard a little poof of air. It went psh, like that. And later on, I found out that could have been an air injection. You know, they use them in the military when they uh, inject thousands of troops for different things. They got a gallon jug and they put it in. They just shoot this into you with air. Because I moved a little bit on one of them and it ripped my arm. And it's still, you know, I still got a little small scar there if you look at it. Oh, wow. Now, when um, the doctor uh, examined you, did they find anything in your blood? Do you know that was a result of these injections or anything off or anything different? Well, they turned their blood work into the hospital. And uh, the doctor that examined it, they were supposed to get back to us. But, you know, right after that, I came up missing, so I don't know. And then the hurricane destroyed all the records down here in 2005. Nothing was backed up yet. It was all still on hard copies. So nothing was backed up in the computer, and we got 20 foot of water in a lot of these places where these records were stored. But the next thing about it, Dr. Bosco, the doctor that examined me, his grandson seen me in a book signing the other day, and he said uh, that he would like to see me and talk to me and I have full intentions of getting over there and seeing him. Uh, just to ask him some questions, you know, if he's got a good memory on me and all. Yeah, that would be great if you could, uh, boy, if you could even find the uh, paperwork for that. That'd be something right there. You know, oh, especially, yeah. yeah. That would be great. So uh, do you ever get the, I mean, you must have something that triggers thoughts of that horrible night you you must go through that uh some periodically something must trigger uh you know that horrible night that to, to remind you of that well let me say this i i don't know if it triggers or what but i think about it most of a lot a lot of the time and i i don't know what i'm gonna do when i finish my houseboat because i like working with my hands and that's therapy to me. You know, one day I said, well, let, won't you get you some help? Won't you hire some help? I said, I don't want no help. I need the therapy of working on this thing. I guess when I finish it, I'm going to have to sell it or give it to somebody and start all over again. <laughs> yeah, you're going to add a couple more rooms. <laughs> yeah, I have another room or two to it. But, so, you know, my therapy is getting out and working until I get exhausted and I come in, just lay down and go sound asleep. Right. Now, have you had other sightings of a UFO while you've been out on the water? 
And do you ever think maybe sometimes these UFOs come up out of the water? I've thought about that a lot, and I really believe they do. And uh, in the second book, and the reason I say that is because, well, even the first book, we have the Coast Guard. Right about the same time this happened to us, the Coast Guard got called out. Somebody seen something in the water. And they went out, and they looked at this thing, and they took a rod. It was six Coast Guard members, and it's well-documented in their uh, little deals there. They took uh, a pole, a mooring pole, and they bumped on this craft underwater, and then it just disappeared. One of the eyewitnesses, Maria Blair, that uh, seen this, she's in the new book, and she's been interviewed by Irene Scott, and y'all can ask Irene about her tonight, about that interview. She's seen something in the water. The night this happened, she was watching this craft as it landed over there, abducted me and Charlie. Now, she was across the river, and then she was walking down that pier with her husband, and uh, something come up out of the water, and she described it as a human figure and all, and it scared the living daylights out of her by all rights, you know. And her husband always told her, look, don't tell nobody about this. Keep quiet about it. People think we're crazy. And she said she, uh, the next day, she actually wanted to hunt me down when she heard on the news what had happened because she had seen it and she wanted to talk about it and tell it. And she's a very believable lady. Her and her husband's both really good people. And it's several more eyewitnesses in this book. I wasn't just the only one. The night this happened before we went to the police department, the uh, police dispatcher there took 50 calls about unidentified flying objects. He said he ain't been so tired of writing narratives in all his life. And then he found out about our abduction later. So, you know, it was a lot of calls that come in that night. A lot of witnesses that see it. And I know Philip and I talk about it. Every day something new pops up on this deal. And uh, because originally I was going to retire in October, but I didn't have time to get my houseboat ready. And I was going off grid. But I just about got it ready now, and I'm thinking pretty serious about going right off grid for a little while anyway and take a break. Well, how is it? It does wear on you. Yeah, I was going to ask you, uh, emotionally, how does it really affect you and your wife and your family, your grandkids and all that stuff? How does your grandkids take it, that grandpa was abducted? I mean, how how do they look at it? Well, my daughter married. She didn't want children, and she never had any. So I really don't have any grandkids. I got a little dog, and uh, my daughter and them, I never talked to my wife for 45 years. I didn't talk to her about this. And then we opened up and started talking about it a little bit. Well, you know, you don't keep a secret from, from a woman for 45 years and make them real happy about things. So when I started talking, that took a lot of stress off our marriage because, uh, you know, I opened up to her, and that's what she always wanted. Since then, we made conferences together. They paid me to speak, buy my plane ticket, and furnish a motel room. Well, I take the money that they pay me to speak with, and I buy her plane ticket. So we get to go places together and all. This whole deal wasn't about money because there's no money really in books or nothing. You know, people think it is, but it's not. 
It's about a peace of mind. And I'm still on the quest for answers. And uh, that's one reason I just keep thriving about this. But, you know, I'm getting tired. I'm getting wore out. And I'm going to have to soon, sooner or later take a little break from it. Yeah, I don't blame you. Hey, our time is almost up. Where can they find your books at? Amazon. Paspagula, The Closest Encounter, My Story, Calvin Parker. Then the second book is Paspagula, The Story Continues, New Witnesses, New te- um, new Something. But anyhow, they can find them all at Amazon. And it's not only in English, it's in Spanish, it's in a lot of different languages, Germany, French, and uh, it's in different countries. So the book is really selling good and really doing good. And I'm really proud of the uh, Spanish edition of it because there's a lot of people here in the States speak Spanish that don't speak much English. If you don't believe it, just get on the phone. Oh, yeah. You're so right. Now, also, do you have uh, your website? What's your website address? Oh, uh, you know, all I know is uh, CalvinParker.com is how I get there, but I got it in a, uh, I really don't know what the address is to it. Well, I'm sure people can, you know, research it and find it really fast. Yeah. Hey, Calvin, I, I will say this. Having you on this time, we learned so much more than the other times you've been on. And you really opened up a lot more. And which, you know what? I, it, the first time you were on, I, I could tell there was reservations even then, you you know, to divulge everything that happened to you and everything that went on. And tonight we found out finally closure what happened. And I want to thank you for, you know, sharing that uh, to, you know, the show and to my listeners. Well, I appreciate you having me and let me talk about this and open up and uh i appreciate anybody that's listening i had a a guy from a show i'm not gonna call the name he sent me an email he said you're just too hard to deal with we're not going to uh ask you to be on our show no more or contact you no more and i was thinking you know that's not a bad deal (laughs) people think they upset me sometime and even the people that criticize me i said well, would you want to live in a world where everybody agreed on one thing? That's why I take people that don't believe this or that criticizes this with a grain of salt because I don't want to live in a world where everybody agrees on the same thing. I don't want it to be like uh, Washington, though. I, I, I do want everybody to agree on something, but not a, the only thing they agree on up there is what they're going to do next, who's going in office next. Yeah, if anybody does. Calvin, I have to let you go. I want you to have a great weekend. And you know what? You need to email me a picture of your uh, boathouse. And, you know. I will. And say hi to your wife for me, will you? I will. She She's probably sitting in there listening to the show. I got a lot of family listening tonight, I believe. I sent them all the link just before I went on tonight. And uh, I got some friends that just recently found me on Facebook that, uh, I've often wondered what happened to him, and I sent them the link. But I will. I appreciate y'all having me, and uh, thank you so much. Okay, Calvin, you take care, my friend. You too, buddy. Okay. Well, James. See you later, Calvin. Yeah. James, guess what? It's It's time to go to break, and then 
Uh, guess what? We have our next guest coming up. Irina Scott. Yeah, from 8.33 to 9.30. So then then at 9.30, we're going to have our UFO reports and sightings with Ryan. So, hey, we still got a lot of uh, things to cover. So we'll be back in about four minutes. You're listening to Gary and James on Night Dreams Talk Radio After Dark. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Horizon 
Do you have a paranormal story you want to share on Night Dreams Talk Radio? You could be a guest. Email us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. You can advertise your business on Night Dreams Talk Radio and you will be heard worldwide. Why not contact us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. From our compound, from the West Coast to the East Coast, to worldwide, both on the Internet and terrestrial radio, you're listening to Gary Anderson on Night Dreams Talk Radio After Dark. And here I am, and we got Irina Scott on the line. Hey, Irina, how you doing? Uh, just a minute, I have to turn off my sound. Second. Yeah. James, I think she's been listening to us. <laughs> yep, I think you're right. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's no problem. Uh, you know what? I bet you were listening to our interview with Calvin. That's what I was doing. Oh, yeah. He is such a nice person. Yeah, he, he is. certainly is. Well, tonight we got more information. You know, he's been on the show. This is his fourth time. We got more information tonight than we ever did. And it filled in a lot of holes. And I didn't even know that you were witness to something that happened with, with uh, his abduction. Uh, you know, first, let's find out about you. And then I got to ask you, what did you see with uh, his abduction? I wasn't a witness, but I interviewed a number of um people who were there at that time and um, saw UFOs. I, For example, Mrs. Blair that he mentioned. Interesting. But now, let's find out about you. Who are you? What is your past? What did you do? And what got you involved with UFOs? What got me involved? Oh, yeah. Um. I, my sister and I had had some um, sightings or experiences starting when we were really young kids and before we ever heard of UFOs. And then we had more, and that got me interested eventually. It was a long time before we would talk about it, but <laughs> like well, Calvin, what, what, how? we didn't go talking about it at first. Well, how old were you when you had your first sighting of a UFO or, uh, uh, you know, uh, how old a kid were you? I think I was about six and I think my sister was about four. And it was years before we ever heard of UFOs. And even when we did hear of UFOs, it was many, many years before we figured out that had might have had something to do with UFOs. It was, um, we were poor and lived in a farmhouse and uh, slept in sort of an attic room upstairs. And do you want to hear <laughs> our first adventure? Well, I do. Yes, that's uh, that's the whole point. I, I want to know, okay, here you are, six years old. Your, your sister's like four years old. You, you see something that's strange like that. How did you respond? Did you go running to your mom and dad saying, hey, look, I don't know what this is, or what what happened? Well, we were in beds on opposite sides of the room, 
and it was night, and it, it was a clear night. We <laughs> remember that because I remember the whole thing pretty distinctively, um, even though we were young. Um, I just woke up. It was dark, and there was something flying around the room. And I couldn't imagine what it was. It didn't look, I mean, it wasn't a firefly or anything like that we'd seen before. It looked like a piece of metal. And it, it was interesting, and so I kept watching it, and it flew around the room. And after a while, it, I realized that it didn't bump into anything. That If it came to a wall, it would turn before it got to the wall, and so on. And so, you know, there's furniture in the room. And so we were both young, but, uh, and we didn't talk. I thought she was asleep, and so we didn't talk to each other. But um, I knew there was something, you know, pretty abnormal about it because it was dark, but I knew where the furniture was in the room, and I knew that this thing, whatever it was, seemed to, like it could see or something, like it, knew where things were, and it avoided things. And it came kind of close to both of us, and it was just sort of making a browsing motion, and just like something looking around or something, if you want to be subjective, but we didn't, you know, I had no idea what it was. It looked like it was small, and it looked like a piece of metal. It was burning like real hot iron or something. And so I watched it, and after a while, went to the south end of the room, and it flipped the ceiling. But it didn't hit the ceiling. It didn't hit any of the walls or anything. It just turned before it got to the ceiling, and it flew across the ceiling, and it was an attic room, so the um, walls slanted upwards. And then there was about three feet of space between them and the top, and a chandelier. And it flew across the ceiling and flew the chandelier, and then it started circling the chandelier, and it didn't feel its way around or anything. It kind of knew where the chandelier was. It circled it between the chandelier and the walls. It circled and circled, and then it just made a perfect spiral right down under the chandelier. The spiral got smaller. It was just kind of geometric. And then um, I don't know what it did. It, my sister didn't see it do anything, and I thought it made a noise or something. And we both just became terrified all of a sudden. And that was the first time I knew she saw something and ran, started running out of the room. And we were so terrified, we bumped into each other at the stair steps and just tumbled down the stairs and opened the door and just went shrieking to our parents. And they didn't believe us. And so that's what happened. <laughs> So, uh, okay, now this happened when you were six and she was four. Now, did you have any other, When was, how old were you when you had the next encounter and what was that like? The next one was, um, I don't know how old I was. I was pretty young and we were living, we were on a farm living in the country. We didn't have air conditioning or anything. And so I was sleeping outside and we had this big rock porch and I was sleeping on the porch and I woke up and looked north and I saw this thing it looked like a big um, lit up orange ball or something we were under uh, you could see airplanes where we were and it was about 
the apparent size of an airplane, and it started coming. And when it went, got right over us, right over me, I was absolutely terrified. And all the dogs in the neighborhood suddenly started barking. And then our dog was fastened in the kitchen where it couldn't have possibly seen anything. And it just started jumping around like it was um, scared or something. I don't know why. And then um, it flew on over, and I was just terrified, but I was also afraid of my parents. And so I didn't say anything. I just lay there terrified the rest of the night and didn't say anything for years and years and years because my parents were sort of, I'd heard about UFOs by then, but I didn't want to talk about them because I was afraid they would say I was lying or something. So I didn't say anything. Now, did you have any other encounters with UFOs or aliens or anything, Irina, after that when you got a little bit older, you know, like a teenager or any, a young adult? Yeah, um, I had like another, some other odd things happened, but then one of the next things was that we had lived in Ohio then, and um, then we, my sister and I grew up and went out to seek our fortune in the world and things. And I was living in Washington, D.C. and working for the Defense Intelligence Agency. And she was at Drew University in New Jersey taking postgraduate work. And we decided to take a vacation because we were on that end of the country, and so we wanted to go up and see the New England states and things. And... UFOs weren't something we thought about much or because our parents were sort of uh, skeptics and they wouldn't let you talk about them, things like that, so we hadn't talked about much. But anyway, so I took off with two co-workers and dropped them off at New York and picked up my sister. And we were going to stay all night at Boston. And so we drove up in the direction of Boston and we got close to Boston and it was still daylight, so we traveled on up Route 3 in the New Hampshire for a ways until we thought it was getting dark. Uh, it wasn't really dark then. We just thought you know, it would get dark when we got back. And so um, it was sort of interesting because I found out later it was, we were kind of in the area where the Betty and Barney Hill abduction had taken place, and that was just kind of interesting. I mean, it's something I found out later. But we went back toward Boston, and I drove into the um, main part of Boston, and we were planning to just stay in a motel or something, and everything was uh, filled up. It was, it was 1968 before they had cell phones or anything like that. And so we decided to travel back out of Boston, go around what was in the outer belt. And so as we were leaving Boston, um, we could see south of us, and there was an airport south of us. It was the Norwood Memorial Airport, and we could see planes coming in from the east, and lots of them were landing, and it, they looked just like planes with, you know, green and red lights on their wings and they'd turn on the landing lights and land and we could see them landing and everything. And there was this also there was this other light. And it was 
just pure white, and it was blinking. And my sister kept saying, that's odd. And then she kept saying, maybe it's a UFO. And I thought she was just nuts. And, you know, we were arguing, and so I told her it was a helicopter blinking its landing lights off and on, which I'd never seen anything like that, but I was a scientist, and you explain things. And so we kept driving and kept arguing about it. And it was pretty obvious. Uh, I was arguing, although I didn't um, know what it was either. But um, we turned on Route 95, which was the main east, north and south freeway of the east coast. And we were driving along. And there was woods on one side. And I looked into the woods, and there was this sphere. And it had, it looked like a glass sphere that um, you could see through. And in the center of it was this light. And it kept, it was like it was rotating or something. It kept going through a spectrum of just red and blue, of different shades of red and blue. And I couldn't imagine what it was. It must have been near the ground or sitting on the ground or something. And there was this little bar around it that just sort of was rotating around. And I couldn't figure out what on earth that thing was. And then the inside of the car lit up in green. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. And... um we didn't know anything about UFOs then, and I still thought my sister was crazy, but I couldn't <laughs> figure out what on earth, why the inside of our car was green. And I looked around, I couldn't see green anyplace else, and I thought it must be from that thing I was seeing, but it wasn't green either. And so I couldn't figure out what was going on. I mean, like today, it, you'd think, well, that's a laser. But back in those days, lasers had just come out and you know they were big things in scientific laboratories they weren't things people showed in people's cars and so I had no idea what it was but anyway after a while it stopped and the inside of the car was no longer green and so we drove on along and then my sister started yelling at me to pull over because she said this thing we were the other thing, the white light that was blinking, was going to go over the road. And so, um, is this interesting? <laughs> so, did it go over the road and go past you? Did you see a, a UFO? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I finally pulled over because she was yelling at me. And... I pointed my hand out the window, and I was going to say, see, it's a helicopter, you ding bat or whatever. And I pointed my arm out, and um, I saw a meteor way off in the distance. And then right immediately where I saw the meteor, right over the trees came this big thing. And then I knew my sister was right, and I was wrong. Um, what it looked like, it was like a um, object and it had seven square windows and the inside of it was really 
well lit, like real bright white light. And it had um, a little tiny red light on one end, a little tiny green light on the other. It didn't blink, and it was going. It was going. Uh, length, it was going lengthwise across the road, um, perpendicular to our line of sight. It wasn't coming toward us. And um, it was just pretty amazing. And it was blinking in sort of a sequence. The, light, the uh, windows were square. And it was like a sequence of like the first three lights might blink twice, all seven blink once, the last four blink, and then it goes through that cycle again. Now, how, and, how 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 big was it, uh, Irina? Was it was it a big size or you know smaller craft or? I don't know because it was dark, and we could see it real plain. So I think it was pretty close, and I wouldn't want to really say because it was just dark, and you know we could sort of see the profile. I would say it was. Um, I don't know, like between 30 or 50 feet or something like that. You just couldn't know. It was real plain, though. I mean, we didn't have any trouble seeing it at all. It was just as obvious as looking in the windows of a house from standing outside. It was real clear. Now, Irene, Um, did it scare you when you saw something like that? I mean, were you terrified? What I was thinking was, at the time, was I had um, a... Polaroid camera in the car and I had high speed film in my trunk and I thought I've got to get a picture of this because you know it looked like a UFO and I was working for the DIA in photo interpretation and so I understood things about photographs and I thought you know I'll get a picture of a UFO that nobody could believe and so I I just immediately started thinking about that and I found my camera in the dark and found the film in the dark and I had to get the film and the camera while watching this thing. And I was trying to, you know, do it fast, but it takes a while to load a Polaroid with film. And so I was, I finally had it ready to take the picture. And this truck driver pulled over right in front of us and stopped. And I thought, oh, nice, we're going to have another witness. And the truck driver came up and stood right beside me. And he said, what are you doing? And, you know, we were looking at this thing that you couldn't believe. And he asked what we were doing. And so we pointed at it and said, we, we didn't say UFO or anything like that around a strange man. But, you know, we pointed at it like it was an airplane or something and said, oh, we were, what's that? And he just turned around the opposite direction. He just rotated around and looked in exactly the opposite direction of where it was and said, I don't see anything. And then he turned around and looked at me. At first, you know, I thought he was a normal person, but then I was getting scared. And then he said the same thing again. What are you doing or what are you looking at or something? And we pointed again, and he turned around and pointed pointed his head in the opposite direction, just as opposite as you could get, and said, I don't see anything. And then he turned around to us, and he pointed to his head like, you know, gave me a crazy signal. And he went back to his truck and sat there and start, kept watching us. Um, and so I still wanted to get the picture. But the thing was 
farther away after he finished, and it was so far away I could just see the one bright light blinking again. I mean, I couldn't resolve the windows. And my sister said later, much later, that around that time it had gotten in a different place all of a sudden, and I didn't realize that. But I wanted to get the picture, and I had high-speed film, and I was afraid I'd get lens flares from the freeway. And so there was a hill, and I ran up the hill, and the hill turned out being bald on top. And I took pictures and came back. And then the thing went over the airport, and it started circling. And it was just circling that was going in this strange thing where it goes slow and blink twice in one half of a semicircle. And then the other half, it goes so fast you couldn't even see it. And it, at the time, I heard sounds like a jet or something. I wonder if it was sonic boom or something or jets. But it turned out there weren't any jets. I found out later there weren't any jets at the airport. But I couldn't quite get the sound to go with the light. And so I don't know what it was. It sounded like a sonic boom or a jet. But whatever it was, I kept hearing it repeatedly. And um, so then... Um, it was circling, and we could see the airplanes up above it, and they weren't landing when it was there. And we both talked about the airplanes and discussed the fact we couldn't hear it. This thing made no sound at all, and talked about the airplanes that weren't landing, and we wondered if they were watching it or if they weren't landing because it was there or what. And then I decided to... um, turn the car around because we were facing south and I thought it might be going north when it left. I didn't know what direction. We had been following it and it was going south, but for some reason I thought it was going to go north. And so I got on the freeway to go to the next intersection and turn. Well, the truck driver got right behind us and just drove in right behind us and got right on my bumper and started shining his bright lights in my mirror. And I couldn't see anything. And I didn't know what to do. And at first I thought, maybe I'll stop and ask him what's going on. And I decided not to do that. And I would switch lanes, and he would switch lanes. And he just stayed right behind me. So he was, you know, chasing or following me. And finally I just floored it, going as fast as I could. And I thought I could get away from him because, he, you know, trucks are heavier, but that didn't work either. He just stayed right on my bumper, shining his lights in my car. And I thought we were going to get killed. And I said goodbye to my sister. Oh, wow. And the only thing I could figure out to get rid of him would be to go from the left-hand lane and just suddenly, when I came to an intersection, swerve off. And that was real dangerous because somebody was coming on the right-hand lane, you know, faster than us, I would have got killed or have a bad accident or something. But that's what I did. You know, we went through a number of intersections, and finally I swerved off, and I think I lost him. I wouldn't have been able to recognize him anyway, and turned around, came back, and when I came back, the thing was still circling the airport, but it stopped circling, and it started going northwest. And so we we followed it, but the roads went north and south and east and west. They didn't go northwest, so it was hard. And I didn't know the roads anyway. And so I went north again. And the the thing that um, 
the thing on it was like on the ground or close to the ground that was shining different colors. It still was, and the inside of the car lit up in green again. And then we followed roads, and finally I got in this real old, um, bumpy road um, that was gravel with a lot of bumps and everything, and houses a long ways away, and so you couldn't turn around until you got to a driveway. And I was following the thing, but it just kept going a little bit faster than my car would go. And um, I really wanted to catch up with it and take a picture again or figure out what it was or what, but it was just tearing up my car. And finally, I just turned around, went back, and we couldn't find a motel, so we went back to um, we went back to uh, Madison, New Jersey, and stayed in their dorm. And then I went back to Washington. <laughs> After that, I heard I had a um, poltergeist experience in Washington D.C. the next night. Oh wow! So it was a lot of adventures. It sounds like hey, I, Irina, we got to take a break. Uh, we got James doing the news on the top and out of, of the hour. So we'll be back at five minutes after the hour. So if you want to take a break or, you know, get something to drink, get yourself a nice, you know, blanket and get comfy. And we're going to ask you some more questions like, why did you investigate what, what Calvin Parker's story was? And, uh, what did you do with the government and what really got you into writing books about ufos and all that so you know hey just hang tight uh, i'm gonna put you on mute so don't hang up we'll be back with Irina scott uh here in the next uh, few minutes you're listening to night dreams talk radio after dark i'm gary your host and my co-host tonight is james krishbaum check out our website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com we'll catch you five minutes after the uh, hour You thirst for some significance of the both dimensional kind. You enter a realm of spirit, of sight and sound and mind. Your radio is a cosmic doorway and your psyche when you tune in to Gary and the Sun and Night Dreams After Dark.
Night Dreams Talk Radio Network brings you the world paranormal news with James Creechbaum. Now, the latest news. I'm James Creechbaum with the Paranormal and World Changes News. A deadly virus spreads among marine mammals as Arctic ice melts. As climate changes worsen, scientists fear the virus, once found only in European waters, could spread to the U.S. west coast. When sea otters in Alaska were diagnosed with phylosine distemper virus in 2004, scientists were confused. The pathogen in the Marabellus genius that contains viruses like measles had then only been found in Europe and on the eastern coast of North America. We didn't understand how a virus from the Atlantic ended up in these sea otters. It's not a species that ranges widely, says uh, Tracy Goldstein, a scientist at the University of California, Davis, who investigates how pathogens move through marine ecosystems. Using 15 years of data from 2001 to 2016, Goldstein and her research team were able to see upticks in PDV that corresponded with declines in Arctic sea ice. This new range for otters likely allowed infected animals to move west into new territories where the virus had not appeared before. The results of the study published in many scientific reports shows how climate change may be opening up new pathways for disease to spread. Also, alien life could be more common than we thought, scientists say. Alien life could be more common than we thought, according to scientists, but any extraterrestrial life out in the universe is likely to inhabit a very different star system very far away, the researchers conclude. The new study looked at a theoretical twin of Earth and explored how it might fit in with the binary star system. Unlike our own solar system, such places have planets that revolve around two stars. They found, they found out that in 87% of these cases, those planets should be tilted similarly to Earth. That, in turn, is thought to be an ingredient for a climate that favors the birth of, of complex life like ourselves or aliens. Those star systems are found throughout the universe, suggesting that at least some of them could serve as home for planets where alien life looks up to see two suns in the sky. Single star systems, like the one we live in, actually appear more rarely. Also, are ghosts a sign that we live in a simulation? And um, this is also a new theory that's coming around also. Two scientists have put forward the intriguing yet disturbing notion that we may all be living in a matrix. The idea that mankind could be living in a computer simulation was explored at length in a science fiction uh, novel, Matrix. But just how plausible is this concept? If we were living in a simulated reality, would we even be able to tell the difference? It's an idea that was recently discussed by many university professors whose research has focused on the concept of reality and how we perceive it. When you think of a computer simulations, we've already made some pretty extreme technological leaps within a relatively short uh, space of time. 
Look at today's video games and compare them to Pong. Imagine what sort of worlds it will be possible to generate thousands of years from now. Sooner or later, we won't even be able to tell the difference between simulation and reality. It's an idea that has been pro proposed before, notably by SpaceX CEO Elon Musk, who maintains that there is an extremely high chance that we are currently living within a computer simulation. According to Professor Gouin, we may have even seen evidence of this already. Glitches in the system, he said. Deja vu, such as in the Matrix movie, when the character sees a cat crossing a doorway re repeatedly. Maybe one glitch, ghost, another one, ESP, coincidences, maybe others. The laws of physics in our universe seem peculiarly designed with a set of constants that make carbon-based life possible. Where are the edges? Perhaps in the far future, mankind uses such simulations to experience periods of history or to experience the human condition in a way that is no longer possible at that time. Alternatively, perhaps like in the movie, it serves a function as some sort of prison for the mind. It has even been suggested that there could exist simulations within simulations, meaning that when you wake up in one you are actually still in a simulation from a higher up the chain of realities. When you really think about the possibilities, it's easy to end up trying your brain in knots, tying your brain in knots. The next news break will be tomorrow night or Monday, Monday evening. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio After Dark with our host, Gary Anderson. And that is me. Our guest tonight is Irina Scott. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to have Ryan on talking about UFO reports and sightings across the country. Irina, I got to ask you a question. What got you into working for the government? What made you choose that? Because you went, what, to veterinary school? What got you from that into working for the government? That's out of curiosity. That was before I got my PhD from the uh, School of Vet Medicine. I had wanted to be an astronomer, and I tried to get into, I majored in astronomy for a while, and started looking for jobs, and they were all male only, and so I couldn't get into it. And so I tried the next best thing that they'd let females in, and that was uh, mapping or cartography. And I did get a job in that, and they were mapping other planets, but they didn't put me in that, <laughs> mapping other planets, instead they put me in the mapping earth and so i transferred to the dia and i was in a position of like photogrammetry or photoanalysis where we worked it was called air order of battle and it was where we worked on satellite photography and um figured out um which you looked at down from the satellite and saw airports and things and they want they kept track of all the airplanes everywhere i mean i just worked in one particular area but our basic um job was identifying all the aerial objects that um the satellite photographed interesting now what got you into writing about ufos that was um Many years later, uh, what got me into writing 
was I'd been interested because I'd had these sightings and it wasn't something I went, I was in science and you don't go around saying, oh, I see UFOs, you know, if you're a scientist. But after a while, I decided to come out of the UFO closet and say something. And since we'd had sightings and I'd had other, um, with other people, so I knew I wasn't insane, I was interested in trying to figure out what was going on and things like that. And so I started writing about them. Also, I was I um, was uh, the director of publications for a while for the uh, MUFON organization, Mutual UFO um, Group, and um, I had uh, and I was an editor for another UFO magazine, and I so I'd written a lot and. Uh, done investigating a lot. They had written and stuff up, you know, and then I looked at it and there's a lot and people are probably right at least for a while I did. Okay, Irene, something is going with on your phone or nothing we're hearing. Uh, it sounds like oh, rubbing you, type of noise or something. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I do. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you hear what I said? Uh, no, not really. Well, I had been writing about UFOs for a while because I was an editor um, for several things. And I had, and I also had been investigating with other people. And I had a lot written up. And one day I just looked over everything and thought, ah, there's a book. And eventually I got it organized and wrote several books. So that kept you busy. Now, how about, you know, you also helped uh, write uh, uh, Calvin's uh, last book? Uh-huh. Now, you did an investigation with uh, Calvin. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's been some very credible people on abductions. I don't know if you heard of Terry Lovelace, but uh, he's a former attorney general, uh, a lawyer in uh uh, Texas, and he had an encounter where he was taken aboard him and his buddy uh, on a UFO. And I'll tell you what, he had a very bad experience, uh, even worse than what Calvin went went through. But I, I, I don't know. I, just talking to Calvin and talking to these other people, I get the impression these aliens or humanoids or whatever they are are not caring about humans. Yeah, I just don't have, I mean, I've studied UFOs for a while, and I just don't have any understanding whatsoever of anything about them. Um, and as you were talking about, somebody was talking about the Matrix or something. I mean, I took a course from um, Dartmouth several years ago about reality and whether people actually understand reality or whether you are in a Matrix and there's really no way to tell. <laughs> so I think things are pretty confusing, and I um, don't know. I mean, some people say they have UFO experiences, and they're, they're space brothers and saving humanity, and other people have bad experiences, and I just don't know. I don't know. I sometimes wonder if we are living in the metrics. I don't know if we are or not, but... I, I tell you, we could all be just nothing more than a hologram or 
a computer running, you know, maybe some alien is running a, you know, kid, alien kid is running a program and we're just alive on nothing more than some type of a hologram computer. I, I don't know. That'd be scary though. I mean, I mean, we, whatever it is, it sure gives you the sensation of being alive. If we are, I can tell you that much. Yeah. And, um, what you wonder is <laughs> what's running it, a computer or something that's alive. Um, you know, you'd think, well, something, a living being is running our matrix, but you never know. It might be a computer. It's pretty scary. Well, maybe it's a doomsday thing, because I already believe, at least my beliefs are, that we have been rebooted two or three times on our planet. And <laughs> and maybe one of these supercomputers, going back who knows how long ago, is running a civilization of a human race and, and you know, and just making us feel like we're all alive. You know, it's just as practical as some other people's views. What do you think, James? Oh, absolutely. And here's the thing. Um, we could be a science project from an alien's first grader. And, you know, now he's in third grade and we're sitting up in their attic somewhere. And, and thank God they haven't decided to throw it out in the garbage yet. So, uh, I mean, these oh, are wow. all possibilities. That might, it's endless. You mean like like the uh, in in the of the sentence said there? You can tie your brain and not thinking about these things. I mean, really. Um, I do got to ask um, Irina a question. That truck driver that that uh, came up to your car. Do you think that he may have been a man in black or a covert military that was running, uh, rent, you know, like uh, making sure nobody was. Uh, taking pictures of this craft or something? How about possessed? Uh, yeah, or I, even that. I don't know because at first, you know, I kept thinking um, that he was a crazy person or something. But then after a while, it occurred to me that we pointed at the thing each time and he turned in the opposite direction. And he turned just in the exact opposite direction. And, you know, if you point at something and somebody can't see it, well, they look in the direction you're pointing at. They don't look in the opposite direction. And so I think he knew, um, you know, what we were looking at. He just looked in the opposite direction and said he didn't see anything, which should have given me a clue, especially when I repeated it, that um, something was <laughs> wrong. Um, it wasn't just sort of an accident where he couldn't see it. I mean, it was, he knew where it was or he couldn't point his head in the opposite direction. And so it was something, it wasn't just an accident that somebody just came and couldn't see it. There, it, it was, he was deliberately, you know, giving us misinformation and, you know, saying like, and then he insinuated I was crazy too. I mean, he pointed to his head which I interpret as a crazy son. And so I thought this was some kind of setup or something because if he couldn't see it, he would look in that direction. He wouldn't look in the opposite direction, which should give me a clue that <laughs> it, it was like a setup or something, but I don't really know. Now, i got to ask yeah. you a question. Have you, have you ever uh, felt that you've been abducted yourself? Well, the very first 
thing with my sister and I, we'd never heard of UFOs or aliens or anything else. We were just little kids. And we had one radio and listened to, you know, music and things like that. But um, I kind of wondered if there was some kind of a mental effect then because we both woke up at the same time. We saw this thing in the room and then we both became terrified at the same time. And it seemed like there might have been some kind of mental control or something going on. And we both woke up and this thing was in our room, but neither of us had any idea how it got there. And it's, it made me wonder if something else, I mean, we were so terrified later that you couldn't believe it. It was just something you never, we never forgot at all. And neither did our family actually. But I wondered if something else was going on there. And, with the thing in Massachusetts, we might have had missing time, but neither of us remember a reduction or anything like that. But you know what? People don't because, you know, my strange encounter with a bright light going through the desert of New Mexico in the early uh, 70s. It was enough where, you know, I didn't even associate anything to, you know, the last year or so when I started putting pieces together. You kind of get maybe blocked out or they block things out. But I was in a situation where I was driving and all of a sudden all around the car, it got bright at a light. It was so bright, it hurt my eyes. But my wife at the time, and I use the word at the time, uh, was sitting next to me freaking out because inside the car. Now, this is late at night. Inside of the car, it was bright just as much as outside. It really hurt your eyes. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I was in the military. It has to be a police helicopter because I was speeding. I have to admit that. I had a GTO and I I wanted to go. And I, I did the honorable thing. I pulled off the side of the road. I get out of the car and I don't hear a single sound. Nothing. It's like nothing exists. Like somebody put fingers in the uh in my ears and I didn't hear anything and the light was so intense it hurt my eyes I tried to look up at it didn't see anything except the bright light I didn't hear a helicopter noise and poof it was instantly gone so I, I mean you know it, it, I think what happens is when people have been abducted or whatever a lot of people they they whatever they do they they expunge that out of your brain and a lot of people maybe never even realize it the whole time they live, where others are more lucky or maybe not lucky, they start remembering things. That's the bad part. Well, like, eventually, we reported it to people, including Bud Hopkins, and he, he um, I think, uh, uh, Calvin mentioned... Um, Debbie Jordan or somebody, he and Debbie Jordan interviewed my sister. And then he tried to hypnotize me, but I just didn't hypnotize at all. And so I, he wanted a timetable, and there might have been missing time. But um, I just don't hypnotize, and nothing came to either one of us, so we don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. How about when you, you know, later years and stuff, when well, you had some major surgery, did they ever find anything interesting in your body when they were, undoubtedly they did MRIs and all that stuff before the surgery. Did they anything ever show up out of curiosity? No. I mean, they just looked at my spine. They didn't look at anything else. So 
Um, no, nobody said anything at all. I didn't ask. Yeah. Well, I also want to say that I, you know, I, I felt really bad that you had to go for the surgery, and it looks like you're recovering really well. So, I mean, that that is really good for you. Oh, I'm really happy about it because people are bedridden for life, and I'm just up and about and turning into a normal person again. It was really bad surgery, but um, and it was sort of voluntary. They said I'd live the same lifespan either way, but. I was afraid I'd wind up in a wheelchair or something, so I had the surgery. Yeah, good move. And yeah. uh, we're down to just a few minutes. Uh, again, what books do you have uh, out there that you wrote, and where can they find them? And if do you have a website also that you can share with us? Yes, I do. My website is irenascott.com. And if somebody just puts in Irena Scott, they should, my website should pop up. And I list the books there, and um, they're easy to find because I have books listed. And if they just click on the book, it goes right to Amazon.com. And I have the same publisher as Calvin, a very good publisher. Um, My books are UFOs Today was the first one, and it's just a a chronological uh, book about UFOs starting at the very beginning. It's UFOs Today, 70 Years of Lies, Misinformation, and Government Cover-Up. And I talk about the government cover-up. The second book is Inside the Lightning Ball. And this is about the experiences my sister and I had. And it also includes experiences of scientists who have come out of the closet and talked about UFOs. My the most recent one is Sacred Corridors, secrets and the subtitle Secrets Behind the Real Project Blue Book, Wright Patterson Air Force Base, Roswell, Mattel, Memory Metal, Dr. J. Allen Heineck, and UFO cover ups. And this is because I worked for several important places where UFO study took place, such as the Defense Intelligence Agency, the DIA, and um Mattel Memorial Institute, which did an intensive study of UFOs, and I've been at Wright-Patterson on the base several times, and so I um, wrote about what I found out about that, and um, people had interviewed, and I had documents and photographs of different places and things. So i got to ask you a question. Arena, what do you think is going on with these abductions and stuff like that? Like I said, I I had Whitney on uh, Stryber last night, and he's kind of changed a little bit about his view on the abductions and what's going on. He feels that now, in, in the last couple of years, that they are trying to communicate with him or with people in subtle ways. But the, the problem is he feels that they're so far advanced compared to us that we don't even realize when they're trying to communicate. But he's starting to realize that they're trying to communicate with him and and subtle things are coming out where he's realizing it. What do you think is going on? Well, I've been studying this for quite a while. <laughs> I basically don't have any idea whatsoever. Um, what they're doing is they're not... I mean, our scientists 
go and study things scientifically, and they have a basis of science of you have to have um, controlled experiments. And they assume that, like, everything can be controlled. Well, obviously, if we're not the most intelligent life in the universe, if we're kind of like ants, we're not going to be able to control our experiments. And so science sort of ignores UFOs because you can't control them and do, you know, put them in the lab and do an experiment. But, and so, you know, it's like scientists say, well, they don't exist. Well, that's um, not very logical. <laughs> now, I, I do feel they very much exist. And I tell you what, uh, like Timothy Collin, for example, who had implant removed by the late Dr. Roger Lear. James, as me and you talked about, you can hear, like even with Terry Lovelace, you can hear the stress in them that they can't go to bed at night. They can't sleep. They're worried. They, a lot of the people pack guns by their bed because they're scared about being abducted again. So I think whatever is going on, it, it, it's doing a lot emotional damage to somebody who's been abducted for the rest of their life. Oh, definitely. Uh, the uh, post-traumatic stress, you can hear it and feel it in their voices. And not just um, Timothy, uh, m- most of them, there's a pattern there, definitely. And some of them even have um, handguns and, and flashlights by their bed. Yeah. How about you? Uh, we only got a minute left, uh, Irina. Do you, are you worried about being abducted or anything? I don't know. I can't sleep. I have a big problem not sleeping, and I have a camera by my bed. But um, <laughs> I don't feel a gun would help anyway, but, you know, if anything happened, I'd have a camera, a video camera. And <laughs> I have a night vision video camera by my bed, but, it, I mean, it's one I'd have to turn on myself. It's not one that, um, you know, like a night vision trail camera or anything like that. So... Yes, I have trouble sleeping, and I don't know if that has anything to do with UFO, if UFOs or not. Well, I mean, you've investigated a lot, so maybe emotionally, deep down, it's in your brain, and you hear about all these abductions, like with Calvin Parker and everybody else. I, I, you know, it, 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 it concerns me because there's a lot more abductions going on than people realize, and there's a lot more implants going on than people realize. We're being visited more and ever. I mean, September usually is a month that UFOs start dropping off. They're not dropping off. Irina, I really enjoyed having you back on the show again. Now, can they find your books on Amazon? Uh, look under uh, irinascott.com and I'll list them. It's UFOs Today, Sacred Quarters, and Inside the Lightning Ball are three of them. And I'm also, I wrote an afterword for um, Calvin's book too, which I was very honored that they let me help investigate his experience. Oh yeah, and he has a big one. Well, Irina, I got to let you go. Hey, you have a great weekend. And if anything breaks in in UFO uh, news, you know how to get a hold of me. Please do. Uh huh. Well, thank you very much. I was very happy to be here and to talk to you again. Okay. Well, kid, you have a great weekend. You do, too. Okay. Good night. Bye. Night. Bye. Well, what's that tell you? I I think there's a lot of people seeing these creatures, these humanoids, these UFOs, 
And you know what? The size of them, maybe they're scout ships because they seem to vary between, you know, a smaller craft to something the size of a football field or bigger all the way down to, you know, well, something that's maybe like 80 feet with windows. I don't know, but it's, it's scary when you think about it. Yeah. And I'll even, I'll go one further. Um, when they she was six and four, she described what actually could be a hand-sized drone, alien drone that came in and scanned the room, maybe. Yeah, and scanned her, actually, you know, for maybe abduction. Anyway, we're going to go on break for about two minutes, and when we come back, we're going to have Ryan on talking about UFO reports. So, hey, we're not over yet. we got another half an hour. Tell your friends about Night Dreams Talk Radio. Share us on your media. We would love to have more uh, listeners. And remember, you're part of our family. So we'll be back in two minutes. If you would like to hear Night Dreams Talk Radio on your local radio station, let them know. Tell them to check out www.nightdreamstalkradio.com and thank you. Do you have a paranormal story you want to share on Night Dreams Talk Radio? You could be a guest. Email us at nightdreamstalkradio at gmail.com. Night Dreams Talk Radio. After Dark wants to give a big shout out to all the truckers that listen to our show. And again, I want to thank each one of you guys out there making a long haul at night and, you know, recording our show during the day or downloading and playing it while you're on the road. You know, without you, 
we wouldn't be where we're at. And you know what? You're part of the family on Night Dreams Talk Radio. As you know, we rule the early night on Night Dreams Talk Radio. Well, we're just waiting for Ryan to call in and uh, give us a report on, well, UFOs, sightings, and stuff like that. My cell phone just died. Can you believe that? Right there in front of me. Second time in a day. And also, we're waiting to see if James Krishbaum's Skype is going to drop out here in a couple of minutes because it's been doing it now day after day. I don't know what it is. And today, you know, earlier today, I went on my computers, check everything out for the show. And then like a few minutes before airtime, you know, uh, James tries to get a hold of me and I realize I can't get on Skype. Every three computers, separate computers have a different Skype account. Every one of them lost the password. Isn't that kind of strange? It's like something is going on out there. Maybe because we've been talking about aliens so much the past week or the last few weeks or abductions that maybe somebody doesn't want us to uh, to uh, talk about it. I think we got Ryan on there. Hey, Ryan, my friend, how is it going? How is it cracking, my friend? It's going all right. How about yourself? It is going. That's more than I can say than it's going to be in about a half an hour when I'm out the air. I'm going to crash like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Same here. Well, what is going on on reports of UFOs and and sightings and all this stuff, Ryan? Alrighty. Well, I'm going to keep it simple. This is my first time here doing this uh, this week. And uh, for New Fork, we have uh, on 1030, this was seen in uh, Mexico, Missouri, and it had a circle shape, <clears throat> uh, came out of nowhere, hovered, hovered over the car, and then it landed in a field next to them. And then it came back up, it hovered there for a second, and uh, it had several flashing lights on it. And then all of a sudden it took off in a very bright blink of light. And that was on October 30th. The next one here we got from uh, Lockport, Illinois, and this happened at 8.50 at night. It lasted, uh, first sighting lasted for 10 seconds out of the east, two yellow lights chasing each other across the sky. Uh, 10 minutes later, uh, they said 20 similar lights flying in a perfect V formation headed south, uh, and they were traveling so fast that I guess they really couldn't uh, estimate the, um, I guess, speed of them. We have on... uh, at 11:35 in uh, Lawrence, Kansas, a chevron shape, and this one here um, reminds me of of one I had actually. It's almost the same exact thing. They saw a chevron shape, uh, I guess a black triangle flying over them. It hovered over the house, and then it went back. And then I guess whenever it came back, it was going so fast it almost, I guess it was making a roaring sound in the sky. And uh, I actually had a similar one to this back in 2016. I was feeding my daughter. Uh, bottle outside and all of a sudden I looked up and there was a black solid chevron shaped um I don't I don't know what it was all I know is it was black and it was huge and it was putting the jet behind it to shame but uh our next one here we got uh in Jasper Tennessee got a triangle shape and lasted 30 seconds on the way <clears throat> towards they saw it hovering another triangle and this one was above the trees in a field and they said it was about I guess 35 feet off the ground. It had no sound, and it had uh, one in, one to two green lights flashing on it, and it also had an orange light flashing on it. I guess when they turned back around, it was completely gone. And our last one here for New Fork, I got 
<clears throat> New Carlton, Maryland. I apologize. Uh, slowly flying grayish rectangle flying object with it says two orange lights at each end, and it looked like a rectangle. And at the other end, it had a green light. And whenever they looked back for that one, it was slowly moving off. And I guess when they tried to get a picture of it, um, it went out of sight, and they couldn't. So that is that's interesting. what we have for that. Have you noticed, Ryan, that you know normally for all the years I've been involved doing the paranormal radio and stuff like that, I've always noticed that around September – the UFO sightings kind of like drop off for like about four or five months. This year, it hasn't been dropping off, or at least is that my imagination? No, you're exactly right. Matter of fact, October, I've seen a bunch of sightings being reported. And uh, yeah, you're right. That's It's usually not like that. Usually in the summer, I see like, you know, June, July, tails off a little bit towards August. And then September rolls around, you're right, and there's not too many there. Yeah, something is going on. That's all I can say is. Be, now, I don't know if you listened to the show, but like, did you listen the other night when we had Terry Lovelace on? Yes. What was your feeling? I did. Uh, you know, that was like his third time being on, but he really kind of got into it a lot more on this last time. What did you think about his encounter, the UFO he saw and, you know, all that before he was abducted? The sounding minute, it was quiet and dead silent to it landed or near landed. And then it kind of made the sound of like a locomotive, you know, engine, kind of a weird type of yes. noise. Yeah, this is actually one of my favorite accounts, to be honest with you. He wrote a great book, by the way. Obviously, it's uh, Incident at Devil's Den. Um, but the, the the craft itself is just out of this world. <laughs> Obviously, it is. But, it, I mean, to be that big is just unfathomable. I can't imagine getting on, I guess, a... Um, a plane or whatever, even, and, and looking all the way to the other side of it and still, I mean, you're seeing the very end of it, but he said it was so flat, you could see all the way to the other end. I mean, and he said it was, what, a couple of stories high. I just, that to myself is, is so mind-blowing. I mean, I, I couldn't even picture that in the sky, to be honest. Yeah, that that's what was interesting. And what really got me scared is when he, you know, was being examined, he was standing there naked with his friend holding his clothes. He saw these other people, men, women and children holding their clothes. And what really alarmed him is the screaming of people in pain. He was very lucky. He was returned. But it's the way it sounded like these other people weren't returned and then also these like james am i right or wrong there was like jars or our big uh, tubes of like humanoid or tanks tanks of of, of things tanks, that, yeah. yeah in them that's scary there too yeah and and remember he said when he walked by one of them the eyes whatever it was in there hybrid or whatever it was opened and looked at him and he said that sent chills down to his spine he still has nightmares about that uh-huh. I don't blame yeah, him for that. Yeah, it suddenly opened its eyes and turned its head at him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, any more good reports? I, I just had to throw that in there because I, I tell you what, it, it really scared me quite a bit, Brian, that night after he was on the last time. Yeah, I actually wanted to just uh, mention something else uh, about his account, too, is whenever they got back, I mean, just alone the 
I guess the sunburn and the swollen eyes, uh, that enough, that right there is enough to, you know, make you scratch your head, especially when he had, you know, sunburn in his armpits and everything else. Well, I guess you want to call it sunburn, you know, that to me tells me they went up in that beam they saw in that field for sure. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Well, at nighttime, I don't see any way he could have got sunburned. And unless you're laying at a weird angle, even your armpits to be badly burned. It, it, you know, again, too, is that the military must have took it very seriously to give him sodium uh, pentothal and then try to convince him that he didn't see anything. Yeah, I think the part that blows my mind about that the most is, you know, one of those, the other guy turns out, the other one says, you know, I'm amazed every time. I see this happen. That right there, t- I mean, how many times has he seen this happen? You know what I mean? That's that's the part that's scary right there. Well, is he, you know, how many times it happens? How many times people are being abducted and not returned? That's the scary part. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what what do we got also and because we got like about 12 minutes left. What do we got in other sightings that that might intrigue our listeners here tonight on a Friday. Oh, I got um, a. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say. I, I was going to ask you too, Ryan. Um, the uh, Project Blue Book supposedly is letting out uh, documents that you can check out their, uh, you know, some of the stuff that they research. Have you heard about that? I did. I did hear about it. I didn't get a chance to check into it. I mean, they did one of my favorite sightings, uh, the Flatwoods Monster. But I, I hope I'm hoping they release a little bit more information on that. That would be fantastic. But no, I haven't gotten a chance to look into that yet. Now, are we talking the the TV show Project Blue Book? No, no, the real, the okay. real, the real Blue Book. I'll, I'll be honest with you. And we just lost James again at 942. You know what, Ryan? It's going every night about 940. His Skype drops out and we're trying to figure out why. It's kind of crazy. But you know what? Uh, talking to some people I knew who was in the military and, and knew about Project Blue Book, it was really biased. They wanted to base, basically take reports, you know, from people and convince them that basically they didn't see anything. Exactly. That's the sad part of it, too, that they, I mean, most of those, uh, you can't explain away. No, but they wanted to. They wanted the people, when they got done interviewing the people, they wanted the people confused and kind of convinced that they didn't really see something. And and I think that's, you know, again, that was disinformation project blue book. They weren't really taking anything serious, or if they were, they were trying to, you know, give disinformation. James, you did it again at nine forty-two. <laughs> Just like clockwork, I am telling you, that's bizarre. Oh, there's another uh, story that came out about a UFO that was identical UFOs seen nine thousand miles apart, one in the state of Georgia, and the identical UFO was seen in Australia at the same time. That's, that is so interesting. Now, Ryan, we got just a couple minutes. What more do you have? Because I, I got people texting me on my uh, phone because I got it back up because I got the cord plugged into the computer charging it. And they want to they wanna hear the reports. I've been waiting for you to come on. All righty. So I got three from around my area that I received myself, and this is uh, within the last month. So I have one. It was in uh, Butler, Pennsylvania. Uh, these two girls, I guess, were outside. They were smoking. That's where a lot of these take place, by the way. 
and they looked up. They saw two orange orbs come by, and like I told you guys last time, a lot, of, a lot of orb sightings around here for some reason. I have no idea why. But anyways, they saw those two. Uh, they came to complete stop, and then the one, I guess, just took off so fast the one was still the other one was still sitting behind and then slowly it moved into the clouds and disappeared interesting and that happened last week how old did you know how old the the report was from the the individuals how old they were uh the one female was 23 and the other one was uh 19 okay Yeah, and then I also received another one, but this one is from uh, more towards, uh, I guess, Harrisburg area. But uh, it was a black triangle, and this was seen at about 12.30 on a Sunday, and it was flying, I guess it was flying over. There was, he said he was outside uh, doing something with the lawn. Anyways, there was a jet below it, and then he said there was a huge uh, black triangle over top, but it was fly- going so fast. I asked him, do you think the jet below it recognized it or had to have seen it? I mean, if the way you're talking, he said, absolutely. He had to have seen this. And he also called the weather station to get how high the clouds were to judge where this, um, uh, triangle was. He said the clouds were at about 35,000 feet that day. So it had to have been well over 40,000 feet. Interesting on that. Yes, sir. <clears throat> we got uh, one more here, and this is from Pittsburgh, and it's from a 43-year-old female, and this was on Tuesday. I just got this one in, and she was getting out of work, and this is about 6.30. She said there was other witnesses to this, but obviously there are people that worked at her workplace. They didn't really want to discuss it. And she really didn't want to discuss it either. Um, so she said there was a, a green ball of light. All of a sudden it appeared up in the sky. She just noticed it there. And then all of a sudden she looked over and saw another one. It looked like it was coming off the ground and into the sky. And then all of a sudden they teamed up with each other. But then as soon as the other one passed with the green, the, the other green orb, it took off with it like it was already with it to begin with. And it disappeared into the sky. And she said it lasted about 30 seconds. Yeah, most of the uh, sightings are, you know, under two minutes. That's another thing that's interesting, too. Exactly. I think the longest one I have personally, I actually have it on video, was I got an orb being tailed by, I'm going to guess it was a military vehicle. I'll have to send you this video here, Gary, but it's, it's being tailed by something and I have it. It's about three and a half minutes long. And then two weeks later, I got this same exact thing on, on film again. Interesting. Now for people, if they want to get a hold of you to report UFOs or sightings or aliens, how, how can they get a hold of you, Ryan? <laughs> they can get a hold of me at uh, RyanInvestigator at gmail.com. Okay, we or need, you can also look me up on Facebook. You know what I need to do? You got to uh, send me that, you know, if I don't forget because I'm getting old. I'm getting senile. Uh, I will put that I up. definitely will. You know, on the, you know, on our website, you know, where it has a little blurb about you and your photograph. Yes, sir. I'll, I'll put in there a link where they can get a hold of you uh, on reporting sightings. 
Roger that. Yeah, I welcome uh, any kind of sighting. You can, they can also, if they want, uh, send me crypto crypto sightings as well. So, Okay, like Mothman? Yes, sir. Yeah, I also I help out, uh, launch Strickler over there at uh, phantomsandmonsters.com. So, yeah, any sighting like that is very welcome. You know, there's been a report, the more reports lately of Mothman all over the country. I mean, I, there's one that was reported here about a week or two ago in Oregon. There was one reported in Idaho and, and from very credible people. And it's, it's scary. But then, you know, James sent me a picture, which I've seen a dozens and dozens of times, honestly, on Facebook, but never associated a bat. It's about three feet long. It has a head. It looks almost like a dog with a long nose and it's hairy. Right, James? Oh yeah, it it's it's a freaky looking thing. It's a fuzzy bat with a kind of head. Kind of looks like a terrier dog almost. Yeah, like a rat long, terrier or, some, or yeah. some kind of terrier. A dog with wings yeah, and a nose like a dog too. That that's what's intriguing. And if you just saw the head, you'd think, oh my god, that's an ugly looking dog. But I mean, you'd think it's a dog, but it, it's a bat. That's mm-hmm. insane. Yeah, there's a lot of crazy creatures out there for sure well you know because of the earth changes ryan you think about this animals you know not just animals but birds and all this stuff some of the big birds you know they're they're not going where they normally would go they're going in other directions other states because the magnetic field is changing everything is the weather climate's changing so and people are not used to seeing cranes, for example, or pelicans. Exactly. Uh, and to them, they see one. And, oh, my God. You know what that is? That's a raptor. You know, from a distance. I posted a picture <laughs> up on uh, our group uh, page for the show of, uh, what was that? What state was that, uh, James? Of that big flying um, bird? Um, that was uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Actually, it was eastern Pennsylvania. Yep. And, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's it, you know, but I don't know if it's a real picture or not. I haven't had a chance to study it, and but that looks like it was taken from a dash cam. So every, exactly, they, yeah, they don't have the highest resolution in the world because they're not meant to. They're meant to, you know, if you get in a car accident or something, you got proof of the guy in front of you stopped and you rear-ended him or something. Pretty much. <laughs> so, what do you think about? These abductions. Yeah, I'm sure you listened to Calvin Parker tonight, didn't you? Yes. Yeah i I, I really enjoy his uh, account. I mean, I don't. You know, I I know I feel bad saying that, but I do. I just love hearing different accounts of abduction. I, they just there's something about it. It's it's honestly to me, it's just fascinating. And I don't know. For his is it just I don't know. It just blows my mind to be honest with you. I mean, the whole part also, too, where the cops uh, did that to him and stuff, it just, to me, even back then it was a smart thing to do. I guess they probably should have tried to do that to a lot of other abductees, but I guess at the time no one was really, or at least too afraid to report their abductions. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the, the thing is, you know, Calvin's been on about four times. This is the first time. Have you noticed, James, he really opened up tonight? Yeah, absolutely. He sure did. And, um, yeah, it's amazing. And every time he kind of learns something more, and this time he opened up a little bit more about this, and and he kind of got reminded about something that he hadn't thought about for a while, and and he shared it with us. So that was good. 
Yeah, I mean, he opened up on not just one or two things, a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what scares me. That reminds me. Oh, sorry about that, Gary. No, I just insane. It's and I don't know if you listened to last night's show. If you didn't, you need to go back onto the archives and listen to uh, Whitney uh, Stryber and and listen to what he had to say uh, about what has been going on since his first abduction, his implant, and what's going on with him now. He's come to a different conclusion, you know, that they're trying to communicate with us, but we're not intelligent enough to realize that these aliens are trying to communicate with us. Yeah, I can... You know, a lot of people I tell about uh, Whitley, um, especially uh, people I know, they don't. When I tell them about the implant in his ear, they have such a hard time believing it. I don't know. I, I, I but you know what? Then again, I can listen to like Terry uh, Lovelace saying that he had an implant in his knee. Uh, Calvin Parker had an implant in his arm. I, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of people that had you know implants removed, or you know they showed up on MRI. They're not just in one place. I mean, there's been people who exactly. have had them. Just like Calvin Parker, I think they were trying to put an implant up his nostrils, actually, up into the sinus area. Yeah, me too. Yep. Yep. You know, Gary, it's I just like, got um, a story come in. Oh, go oh. ahead, Ryan. Oh, no, no, go ahead, James. You're fine. Good. Apologize. I was just going to say I got a story come in from our, our friend Lon, and um, this story dates back about 10 years ago, but it happened in your state there, Gary. Um, this mother and daughter, you know, the, the daughter was, I think she's 18, 20 years old in that range, and she went to bed. So the mother went on upstairs to go to bed, and, and the daughter's door was shut, but underneath the door, you know, there's a crack, and she's seen light coming from the door. So she thought, well, let me check on her. She opens the door. And it went totally black. But her daughter is totally missing. All the windows are locked. And she's gone. She's just, like, gone. Her car is there. Her purse. Everything's there. Cell phone. It's all there. Police come and everything. And, 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 yeah, police come and everything. She's gone. It was. They think she was abducted. One of the, those that was abducted and never returned. That's the problem. I've been saying that and preaching that. Again, you know, like, like, like. Lovelace mentioned, Terry Lovelace mentioned all these people were on that craft and him and his buddy was, you know, put back down on earth. But these other people, the, the, the craft took off with all these people in it. And, you know, with him, you know, hearing the screams and all this stuff that was going on, you know, just like he said, he doesn't think they were returned. They were taken somewhere and maybe they were put into this, guess, these glass things. Who knows? You know, the other odd part to Terry's story, too, is the what happens in the aftermath uh, when he gets up at night, you know, and he's, there's that being sitting in front of him. Like that, to me, it seems like he, they're trying to be, you know, nice to him and all this. It, it just seems, well, to me, they're trying to show, in a way, love to him. But how can you have love when all that stuff has happened to you that he describes? I, I, I don't think, get the point of her sitting down and talking to him. I think it's brainwashing. Mm-hmm. Nothing more than to, to, to keep you confused, keep you scared for you don't open your mouth. I don't know. Well, hey, Ryan, I want to thank you for coming on again. One more time, your Gmail account for people can, you know, contact you about their sightings and stuff again. 
All right, it's a Ryan Investigator at gmail.com. And you can also look me up on Facebook. It's uh, Ryan Fusco. And you can find him also at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. Hey, Ryan, have a great weekend, will you? Hey, you too, fellas. You take care. We'll see you. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye. So anyway, James, again, like clockwork, all week long, something is going on. Between your <laughs> Skype and today, my Skype, why would I lose on three computers, three different Skype accounts, all the passwords simultaneously? Isn't that kind of strange? Um, it is. It's like a ghost in the machine. I was sitting here watching it. It got past the 38 mark. I thought I was home free, but two minutes later, gone. Yeah, I was waiting. I was sitting there looking at my digital <laughs> clock on the wall, you know, and it was going, ah, okay, he has two minutes. Is it going to go? And, and hey, it, it's always within a two-minute frame. That's what it is. It's not exactly the same time each night. It's within two minutes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And this went. This was the fourth day in a row, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's fifth day. Every day this week it did it. Every day. Oh, yeah. Yep, you're right. It's, that's right. Today's Friday. Yeah, yeah five yeah. days. Yeah, five days. Well, anyway, guys, we're going to be back on Monday on Night Dreams Talk Radio. Again, please share us on your media. Tell your friends to listen to Night Dreams Talk Radio. We do rule the early night in talk radio. We come on at 6 p.m. Pacific West Coast time to 10 o'clock Pacific. That's 9 to 1 a.m. Eastern time. And you know what? We have great guests in the paranormal. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about UFOs and abductions because it's a hot topic. But we're going to be talking very shortly about with ghost hunters. We're going to be talking about time travel, which we have talked quite a bit, like with Tim Swartz. We just have, you know, a show geared for what you want to hear. We don't give you a lot of hype. We give you, you know, what what actually is going on with the best guest that we can get on the show. So, you know, again, it's important that you go to our website, www.nightdreamstalkradio. Uh, check it out. It'll be updated this weekend with, you know, all our guests for the next week and uh, the gallery will be updated. Also, if you feel nice enough and want to donate a buck or two for our website uh, to keep it up and running and, and our servers and our bandwidth and all our costs, you know, to keep feeding out to all the radio stations a buck or two you know donation all helps it's very expensive as like uh, Whitney said last night uh, to do a show on a regular basis and he does his once a week we do it five nights a week now four hours a night you know that is that's quite a few hours of great entertainment in the paranormal till Monday James say goodnight Good night, James. I'll talk to you Monday, buddy. Okay, my friend. And hey, I'll talk to you, all my friends out there on Night Dreams Talk Radio on Monday. Have a great weekend. You thirst for some significance. Both dimensional kind. You enter a realm of spirit, of sight and sound and mind. Your radio is a
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.